Oh, oui. That is très magnifique news. I will indeed make sure everyone over at Le Show Studios is fully aware and the proper accommodations is certainly taken care of. Oui. Oui. Au revoir. <coughs> that conversation sounded rather intense, Chapeau. Not that it was eavesdropping on your conversation or anything, but it did sound to me like there is some news to be told. So, do tell, Chapeau. Do tell, stupendous. Oh, oh, oui. I have some very exciting news to tell indeed. As a matter of fact, the call you were carefully listening in on was an important one. I was told we should start to prepare the studios for the arrival of a possible Hall of Famer. Oh, not to cut you off there, Chapeau, but this does sound all too familiar. Hey, didn't we just build a traditional Viking mud oven for our special guests? Ah, uh, yes, uh, Rikinistar. Uh, you know, I hear they were really, really touched when they found out that we built one of those mud ovens in their honor. Oh, yes, you know, I also hear Reek's wife, Valerie Halal. She was blown away with the wood-fired waterfowl Viking dinner prepared in that very oven. Pardonnez-moi. I was not aware. I was only aware of only one meal being cooked in that lofty mud oven. It was that, how did Signore Alas Wipo call it? The whale blubber reindeer souffle? Ah, uh, well, you know, later on that week, you know, Reek's wife's uh, Valerie Halal stopped by. You know, Reek really wanted to. Sacre blue, stupendous. Having the Ragnarok Raiders was last month's special guest. Next week will be a very special, uh, occasional stupendous senior last wipeout. Now, ready yourselves for this information because if you're not ready, this news may blow your feeble minds. Ooh. What are you saying, Chapeau? Just get to it already. Okay, stupendous. It's Long Jeansa. He will be coming to the studios next week. Ah, Chapeau. That's some fantastic news. You know, I wonder if he likes that whale blubber reindeer souffle. Wait, hey guys. Oh. I'll tell you what, oh, I really did idolize him. He was a real role model to me, you know. But I did always find it strange that someone named Long Jeansa always wore capri-cut jeans. Uh, didn't I remember John's Long Jeansa very well? I remember also he had a, 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 a motto he went by. It was HLR. I believe the acronym, it was for, uh... Oh, Oh, the acronym of HLR. I, I remember. That's my one, too. You know, we share the same motto. It's a uh, humble, lethal, and revenge. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it, too. If you like to watch wrestling as he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. On the wrestling 
show oh, 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 baby it's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's Monday Night Raw, air date December 12th, 2022. This episode is the road to the Royal Rumble. Let's go. Well, Bo. Well, Bo, welcome to season five of The Wrestling Show, listener. I'm the Paisley Wood, and tonight we're going to start our podcast off with a very cynical review slash a look back at the latest episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get to meat of the show, we, uh, a first quick out, a quick, uh, first quick, a uh, first a quick shout out to the non-competitors, of course. The foundation of the show, if you will. Now, of course, uh, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, they're the team of Kathy Kelly and Byron Saxton. Next, of course, the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and I even call them the narrators, of course, of the whole damn show. They are the team of the Mr. Reliable, Corey Graves, and Kevin Patrick. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get on with the show. Because we start off a big, uh, it's uh, the number one's contenders match for Bianca Belair's Monday Night Raw, her Raw Championship Gold, and it is between representing damage control, the very sexy Bailey. She's more than just sexy, a listener. She's uh, also one of my the greatest one of the greatest wrestlers out there. One of my favorites, also. She's against, of course, long history in the company, Alexa Bliss. Now, before the match starts. We got ourselves a little bit now accompanying, of course. Bailey is damage control members and tag team champions. Uh, Dakota Kai, Neo Sky. Now, here's the thing. Becky Lynch comes up from behind and she yanks off Io Sky from the top of the uh, from the apron and tears her down and she beats her up a little bit and she takes Dakota Kai and she um, uses her as a, uh, a launching uh, projectile and she launches her head first against the rest ring post. And then she dumps both of them behind the uh, announcers, the, not the timekeeper's area. The timekeeper's area, both. Dakota Kai and Io Sky get dumped behind there. Mm-hmm, it's true. After that, Becky Lynch grabs a chair and runs the tag team champions off to the back. So that's right. She runs them off. So this is a good thing because in the match, we will have a one-on-one for sure. One-on-one. Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. How is this match going to go? Now, here's the thing. Alexa Bliss has a combo move where she does a, uh, um, a, a knees, double knees to the, to the belly. Oh, my gosh. She's got to retire that move she, or do it properly. You know what? They can take your weight. You're so tiny, Alexa Bliss. Just do the full. Just jump on the, just Santa, knee Santa on the, your opponent. I don't think you'll hurt. I think they've taken worse than that, you know, during the day itself. <laughs> Anyways. What she does is uh, she basically does a uh, front roll on front of the uh, of her opponent, lying opponent. So she does a front roll over top of them. Basically what it is. And she follows up with a, uh, um, you know, a sw- uh, like a standing swanton, just a front bump on top of them. Okay. 
Now it gets pretty dicey in this match. Now, uh, this would happen like, I believe on a TV show a long time ago, uh, Lita, she broke her damn neck doing this hurricanrana move uh, to a, someone who's, non, who's a non-wrestler. So now here's the thing. Alexa Bliss goes to do a hurricanrana, goes up to do, does a, attempts a hurricanrana on Bailey. I'm not sure what happens. Who's at fault here? But uh, Bailey seemed to go down quick. Um, Alexa Bliss seems to uh, drive herself on her head onto the mat. And it was clear to see after this move here that uh, Alexa Bliss was uh, struggling to uh, keep things on the upright and uh, things that like it never happened. But yeah, um, head trauma, I believe, minimum at the least, but she managed through it. Now, after that, it was uh, Bailey giving Exibus the uh, Bailey to Belly um, suplex. You think that's over? But no, it shows uh, Alexa Bliss was a fighting, was a fighting for this uh, opportunity. Fighting so much that uh, Bailey decided to uh, go with the cheating card. So she grabs the turnbuckle and she, oh my God, she had a trouble, trouble tearing off that turnbuckle. Like I say, I said before uh, that uh, they're using zip ties now for these turnbuckles. Maybe the zip ties weren't uh, as tiny as uh, she would like them or maybe too uh, tough. But uh, I'd say replace it all that you know, they changed ropes to uh, zip ties. I chase, say change the zip ties and everything to uh, buttons, so that some snap buttons, you know, so they can be pulled off with relative ease. You know what I'm saying? That's right. I'm saying change the game some more. Anyways, Bailey pulls it off. They fight some bit. Alexa Bliss then gives uh, Bailey a drop kick. She falls outside the ring, going face to face with Bianca Belair. Then Alexa Bliss decides to try to take advantage of this by going a sliding dropkick. So she runs, hits the ropes, and slides out of the ring because Bailey ducks it, and she slides right over top of Bailey. Bailey tries to capitalize because now it's uh, Alexa Bliss is standing on front of on front of uh, Bianca Belair. Bailey goes for tries a a massive um, overhand, uh, you know, overhand left. Left cross, tries to get uh, Alexa Bliss, but Alexa ducks out of the way and almost punches uh, Bianca, but Bianca catches that hand. That's right. Like a boss. Or is it interfering? Anyways. Bailey spends too much time with Asuka, or with uh, Bianca Belair. And then once she finally gets into the ring, she's greeted with uh, Alexa Bliss. Alexa with a drop kick. Now, Alexa's drop kicks. They, they're like uh, basement drop kicks. They're solo. They're like, uh, I'm going to drop kick your knees. That's right. I'm not going to even attempt to drop kick your chest or, or neck or your face area. Your knees. So here's the thing. Alexa drop kicks Bailey. Bailey drops back. And I think what was supposed to happen is that Bailey was supposed to like bounce her head off the, uh, the turnbuckle, the exposed turnbuckle. Didn't happen. But I guess, I don't know. I guess it was supposed to happen, but uh, after that, Bailey's like knocked out with that drop kick. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Alexa Bliss climbs the ropes and then with the Twisted Bliss drops on Bailey. A 13 minute match, roughly. 13 plus minute. It was a respectable length. Um, Bailey, I'm a big fan of Bailey, but however, another huge setback for Bailey. But I think 
by the end of the year, hopefully by the end of the year, I think Bailey will be a champion once again, but not quite yet. Alexa Bliss is the winner. After the match, um, Bianca Belair offers her hand and, you know, congratulatory handshake. But of course, uh, Alexa Bliss refuses it and uh, offers a hug. While she offers a hug, oh my goodness, look out, a glitch in the Jumbotron. That's right, Bray Wyatt's uh, Firefly miraculously appears for a split second. And while going in for the hug, it was just weird because uh, Alexa puts back Bianca for the uh, sister Abigail. Now, it was hilarious because uh, they sat there for like good five seconds in that pose. The beginning of the Abigail. And it's like uh, it completely rendered Bianca Belair completely useless. So is this the, the sweetness of the move? You can throw the sister Abigail because someone's uh, like... Uh, bent backwards like that they're in such a situation in a position where they can't do anything they're like uh, I don't know anyways no sister Abigail there Alexis brings up Bianca Belair brushes her off and oh I'm sorry I didn't mean to do that and like what just happened what did you just try to do nothing so it ends there so we're going to have a future match between Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss will Alexa Bliss become the new uh, and uh, what's that uh, women's champion for this like a repeat finally after this whole time but uh, we'll see we'll see because uh, things are going around for Alexa Bliss perhaps uh, when they do fight it's going to have a big moment with uh, her becoming that new the new version of Alexa whatever the new version is is uh, the new Bray Wyatt uh, 2.0 who knows we'll find out the uh ever-changing future of Alexa Bliss now after that we go backstage and it's with the uh, Byron Saxton talking to Otis and Chad Gable about uh, on Friday because they were on last Friday on Smackdown trying to um, thwart Kurt Angle's birthday party you know so then uh, they got end up getting milked the milk truck came in and they got sprayed down and they had played the whole thing with a oh then when milk goes bad, whoa, it stinks. It stinks to high heaven. Apparently, something's still in Otis's beard. So Otis, shame. Great athlete. Like a imposing competitor. But now he's, uh, you know, um, the comedy. Comedy guy. He's like the funny guy. It's, it's, it's sad. He's like the clown. The clown. So speaking of clowns, we got AJ Styles and the OC, the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson. Actually, Carl Anderson not there. It is uh, Luke Gallows with Mia Yim with AJ Styles. Luke Ga uh, Carl Anderson is in Japan, I believe, doing some personal business. I believe uh, Carl Anderson is the current, as of as of the tapings of this uh, show, the current open weight champion. I believe it's the open weight champion of uh, what's that? Uh, New Japan. Yeah, so he's carrying a belt currently in WWE. If you do not know, now you know. So it comes down to this. It's like, uh, here we go. Um, a challenge. AJ Styles and Chad Gable. So now here we go. The match itself. The match, which, the match was uh, 
under 10 minutes, around maybe 10, roughly 10 minutes match. It was a very respectful match. It was a an amazing match. AJ Styles and Chad Gable, yeah, two amazing competitors. The difference is Chad Gable is the resident jobber. You know, their skill level is about the same, I think. The same in the ring. They both can uh, tear it up in the ring when they can, when, they, when they're let, allowed to. And this match was uh, just an amazing athletic competition from uh, AJ Styles and uh, Chad Gable uh, applying submission holds, countering submission holds. It was a barn burner, a barn, a burner. Now we go to the end of the match here. A lot of uh, exciting action now. AJ Styles, he takes, he goes for a double leg takedown on, uh, what's that, uh, Chad Gable, and then goes for a, um, a jackknife cover, a jackknife pin, and he does that. Uh, Chad Gable tends to pushes him off of him, but uh, which uh, which reverses the thing. Chad uh, AJ Styles ends up going back on his feet, and then picking up Chad Gable for the Styles Clash. Oh my goodness! So yeah, Chad Gable. Styles clash in uh, like about 10 minutes the match. It was uh, impressive. Um, yeah, although I wasn't surprised or shocked that Chad Gable lost, but this match was very entertaining. It was it was a great match, period. You know? Anyways, moving on. Backstage, it is Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano, and they have the whiteboard up, and they're... Um, having uh, writing out ideas what they're gonna do with all that money they got from the Miz. Uh, you know, Miz. Uh, after all, it's not is Dex Loomis's money. He earned it for talking to Miz and the uh, Miz. Uh, anyways, anyways, the storyline goes on. They're finding what to do, and lo and behold, Johnny's wife Candice LeRae comes in and uh, decides like, you know what's so troubling with uh, giving thinking what to do with the money? We we have everything we need. So that's why you're uh, having ideas, having troubles, what to spend that money on. So uh, how about getting that Christmas spirit? So they thought, hey, we'll start giving some stuff away. Let's get in the Christmas mood. Now, next up, we got a tag team match. It is a six-man tag. I like tag team matches, but uh, the WWE, the main uh, Raw and SmackDown are known for uh, one thing for sure is that uh, the tag ropes, they really don't matter. They don't really matter. They sh really shouldn't be there. They have good intentions with the ropes. Yeah, but why do they even use them? NXT, they do. <sighs> they should just have the ring color-coded, you know? So they have zoned out with colors. So yet yeah, when you're in this zone here, that's where you can type get tagged legally. Don't have to worry about the ropes no more. Yes. Anyways. Why do I complain a lot? Let's carry on. Now, before this match was started, now this match here, it's a six-man tag. It is uh, the Judgment Days, Finn Balor, Damien Priest, and Dominic Mysterio versus the Street Profits, Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins, and not Street Profit, but uh, uh, Tozawa, Akira Tozawa. The whole thing is like, uh, so uh, what's, uh, what's the dealio? Why you uh why you guys teamed up? 
I guess uh, no other reason that the, they feel sorry for Tozawa. I guess that uh, comes down to it because he was getting he was about to get his ass whooped by uh, the Judgment Day last week. And he came down to help him out so he doesn't get his arse whooped after the match he had with uh, uh, Dominic Mysterio. So in this match, it was great. I mean, the first part of the match was proper tagging, I promise you. Um, the Judgment Day even had a moment in this match where they're dominating so much, so badly, that they had an opportunity to do a, a team pose, you know, a five-second pose for the entire team on a, on the ropes. Yep, that's right. They had a lot of good fun. A lot of good fun. Now, this is the sequence where I thought it was absolutely hilarious. The, uh, the high-five sequence on the Judgment Day. So many high fives where the referee's calling tags where uh, Finn Balor starts it off by tagging, high-fiving Damien Priest. Damien Priest comes in the ring there. Then high-fives uh, uh, Finn Balor back in the ring. And then Finn Balor high-fives Dominic. He gets in the ring there. And then Dominic then high-fives Finn Balor back in the ring. I say high-fives because none of those times that uh, the ropes were ever uh, used. It's not the last time that's going to happen. But on the other side, the Street Profits, Tozawa, yeah, they're a stickler. They do the ropes all the time, 100%. No, no complaints a layer. So eventually, Montez Ford gets a hot tag out to uh, Ansel Dawkins. He comes in. He does a, some serious work on Judgment Day. But eventually, Judgment Day, you know, gets starts beating him down. And he needs to get the hot tag out. Now, what's this? Um... Angel Dawkins gets a tag to, uh, what's that, uh, Akira Tozawa. So Akira Tozawa's on the rope, he gets a proper tag. Finn Balor tags himself out to uh, Dominic, even though it's just a high five. They're high fiving each other because uh, Dominic was not carrying the ropes. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Anyways, how does it end? Ending sequence starts like this um, Dominic and uh, Tozawa. Going at it, Tozawa, a house of fire. You can see who is a real Joe Gacy in that ring there. So he, um, now a missile drop kick off the top rope by Tozawa to Dominic started, kicks off the big finish, the big, big finish. Where uh, Finn Balor jumps in the ring there. He gets super kicky, he gets kicked in the stomach by Tozawa. He's like, oh, and then Montez Ford climbs the top rope and then with the massive, massive, um, high cross body press squashes um, Finn Balor on the ground. This is where uh, Damien Priest comes in and then with a massive uh, face kick kicks out uh, Montez Ford. And then uh, Angel Dawkins runs in the ring there tries to take out Damien Priest but oh my goodness he gets uh, um, taken out with a uh, what's that uh a flatliner. Angel takes him out with a massive jumping flatliner. After that, um, Montez Ford jumps in the ring there again, and he gets uh, Damien Priest is taking out everybody. You know, and then with a massive South of Heaven choke slam takes out Montez Ford, and Damien Priest then turns his attention to Angel Dawkins and uh, with a massive clothesline takes him outside the ring. Wham! Outside the ring. Then he takes a little time for himself to gloat a little bit. Hey, I'm so good. I'm Damien Priest. It's been a while since Damien Priest's uh, been in a wrestling match. But yeah, anyways. 
Dame Priest is uh, gloating a little bit. Then it's Akira Tozawa comes up behind him and dumps him outside the ring. They eventually, with a tope suicida, one, one of the, uh, you know, Akira Tozawa, because he's been a joke for so long, you don't realize what an amazing um, high flyer he is. His tope suicida outside the ring to a Dominic Mysterio, oh, a thing, a pure, a beauty. It was a beautiful. Anyways, they take it back in the ring. Um, Finn Balor tries to attack again, illegally. So Tazawa gets him in the um, DDTs the hell out of Finn Balor. And then at the end of the match, you know, uh, it's uh, Dominic. He gets DDT'd out of his boots. He gets they fight again. So Dominic gets set up for Tazawa. He climbs the top rope, but it's Rhea Ripley. He gets a ref's attention on the other side. You know, him and Finn Balor, her and Finn Balor get the referee's tent. The referee's like, oh, what are you guys doing down there? What you doing? This is where um, Damien Priest gets in hand. He jumps on a ring apron and he throws, he actually picks up, um, what's his name? Uh, Akira Tozawa. And he gets him into the razor's edge the razor's edge and chucks him onto the ground from inside the ring to from outside the ring to inside the ring it was pretty impressive pretty impressive Dominic he just had to crawl on top of Tazawa for the pin this match was roughly uh, over 15 minutes this was a barn burner a barn burner with that we go backstage with uh, Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis so far far backstage you're at concessions and they got one guy like, hey, we got hundreds and hundreds of dollars here. I'm going to buy all your swag, baby. So they got the little cart and he carted out the swag to the audience. They start giving out um, items here and there to the audience. You know, we see them give them maybe 10, 15 pieces of swag, maybe. Doesn't matter. Anyways, while they get, they walk themselves up to the commentary booth and they, uh, they're giving out more swag to the crowd. Very limited amounts, of course. They're, uh, they want to make they don't want to make anybody else jealous who doesn't get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Anyways, someone attacks, just shoves uh, uh, Johnny Gargano over top of the uh, commentating booth and grabs that bag of money. And who is that person? Why? It's the Miz trying to create his money back, but he doesn't get far because uh, Adam Pierce comes up there and backs him back to the ring. And it comes down to this. There's going to be a match. A match coming up, and it's going to be uh, the money on a pole match. It's a ladder match, so you got to climb it. But here's the thing. There's going to be two bags of money. The winner takes all, so it's Dexter's bag of money, versus Miz has got to, you know, show up with another bag of money. So this is going to be this. Well, at least the stakes are high. This is something Baron Corbin should have uh, put his mind to, because he's the gambler. He's the, He was a gambler. He should have thought about these ones here, you know, high stake matches. But you know, uh, Baron Corbin is uh, the wrestler's uh, version of mayonnaise. Anyways, let's carry on. The match is done. It's going to be uh, a ladder match for bags of money. Next up, we got ourselves a massive one-on-one -on -one match representing damage control. It's Io Sky um, versus Candice LeRae. Now, 
of course, with damage control, it's, uh, you know, Dakota Kai and Bailey, Bailey joining the commentating crew. And, you know, whose fault is it not getting, what do they, I, I'm assuming they weren't expecting Bailey to join the commentating crew because they did not have a third seat set up. So, of course, Corey Graves, like a gentle person, offers a seat to the very most sexiest uh, woman of wrestling. It's a Bailey. My personal opinion, I believe. Anyways, in the match, we had a fed section where uh, Io Sky with the massive, uh, um, what's that, the uh, sunset flip bomb from inside the ring to outside the ring, Cancel Ray holding on to dear life onto the uh, ring apron. However, I do think this is a move that can be accomplished because of the, the insane padding they have outside the ring these days. So that would have been a great spot. But however, it turned out to be something else because uh, ended up, Chancellor Ray uh, getting on top of the shoulders of uh, Io Sky, and then with a Poison Rana attempt. It was a Poison Rana. It, it, people, I guess, when it comes out outside the ring fighting, it's if you were a little bit, when you hesitate outside the ring, damage and injuries can happen. An injury almost happened because the Poison Rana almost happened with the Io Sky landing on her head, but it was just a really uh, floppity bump. So nothing really bad happened there. So Candice LeRae throws in Io Sky into the ring. They battle a little bit more. They fight towards the uh, top rope where Dakota, where, uh, what's that? Uh, Candice LeRae tries to get uh, Io Sky into her patented uh, second rope neckbreaker. Io Sky defends, fights it off, throws off Candice LeRae. She falls on her back. She doesn't get anybody in that neckbreaker. Doesn't get anybody in that neckbreaker. And then she leaps off the top rope herself. With Eosky, she sets up on a top rope, and then with a massive, she calls it over the moonsault. She calls it over the, and it's a moonsault, over the moonsault, and that's uh, Eosky smashes down on Candice LeRae in, in about 10 minutes. In about the 10 minutes, the 10 minute match, another amazing barn burner. These things are just great matches. Candice LeRae loses to Eosky. Wow. Mm hmm. Candice LeRae loses. Eos guys. So now, here we go. We go uh, with some background here. Last week, we got ourselves uh, Elias was beaten up backstage before his tag team match against the Usos, taken out of the match. And then during the match, they had uh, um, it was uh, Riddle tag team with Kevin Owens, and then Riddle after the match, he was throttled by Solo Sokoa, taken to the hospital. Apparently, he's uh, suffering some uh, uh, bad injury to his neck. He's got a uh, broken trachea or something like that. A fractured trachea, something about that. Something about the trachea, I'm sure. So, we have Kathy Kelly now talking to uh, Kevin Owens about uh, what happened to Riddle. Now, Kevin Owens was the tag team partner. He ran off, uh, chasing off the... Uh, the Usos and Sami Zayn with the chair, leaving uh, Matt Riddle in the ring alone there with uh, Solo Sokoa, who got his ass kicked. Anyways, before he can really answer, it's uh, Matt Riddle's tag team partner that was supposed to be that night. It is Elias coming in there, and he's got a match with uh, Solo Sokoa. And he's saying, listen, you got my back. You got my back tonight, uh, Kevin Owens. Kevin's like, uh... Now, this is the thing about Kevin Owens and his amazing storylines. Now, if this was done by, if this storyline was done by um, Natalia, Natalia Bret Hart, 
it would be like um, Elias would ask, or if Elias was a woman, but same storyline. Elias was, uh, you know, is also his brother. So basically, Natalia was like, would be like, would you join me? Uh, he should be asked, would you join me in ringside? Do I have your? Do you have my back? Can I? Can I trust you're going to be there? She'd be like, yes, for sure, of course I will be. Anyways, regardless, I'm not going to... Let's go with this one here. Go back to the storyline. Uh, Elias asks if Kevin Owens has got his back. Will he, could, will he be there for him? You know? Because um, uh, Elias, he needs, Kevin's, uh, he needs Kevin to be on his corner. And Kevin Owens, like, astonished to hear what he just heard. The reality is, uh, what happened? Because they had got an assorted... Uh, um, their history of torment because of, you know... Kevin Owens was trying to call out that uh, Elias is actually uh, Ezekiel. And uh, the torment and brought to it. And, and even if, you know, if this was the truth that Ezekiel and Elias were two different people, the fact is that, why? He was suckered in the back with a guitar. He got the guitar shot at by um, Elias. That's right. So why should Kevin Owens be there for um, Elias? You know, but truthfully though, I really think the Ezekiel angle could have worked. Ezekiel was, I believe in my mind, was a, like a throwback of like uh, Bruno San Martino, um, Pedro Morales style wrestler, you know, old school wrestler, um, Greco-Roman. Uh, they, unfortunately, they had to throw too many angles at him, too many like, you know, gimmicks. It's just like drop all the gimmicks. I thought uh, that's what Ezekiel was, no gimmicks, just straight up uh, Greco-Roman, you know old school smash mouth you know bend you in pieces anyways regardless of what I think of what it should happen this is what's happening Kevin Owens like no um are you kidding me and he walks off so now here we go we go in the ring here with Elias he's got a uh he's he's honoring he's uh, actually mourning he's mourning Matt Riddle and apparently uh he has a special uh, a concert um for uh, Riddle. Riddle had written a song. And I believe the song is called uh, Elias, You're My Bro. And I think he wanted everybody to uh, sing the song. But uh, would everybody get that hitch, the hook? No one cares. What does he expect? Elias, you're my bro. Eli okay. And while he's singing Elias, is my bro. We got our music. The Solo Sokoa and Sami Zayn hit the ring now. Who wasn't there? My goodness, of course. The bloodline, you know, even though the Usos have fought last week, both uh, Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown, but they're kind of expected to uh, show up at least to work because they represent the championship gold. But however, I think when Roman Reigns doesn't show up to work, and he doesn't show up very often, doesn't never there, it's the Usos who pick up the spot, pick up the uh, slack. And if all three of those aren't there, it is uh, Sami Zayn and Solo Sokoa picking up the, the Bloodline's uh, um, slack. But here's the thing. Sami Zayn and Solo Sokoa, they are smack -a down competitors, baby. So, here we go. Sami Zayn, uh, Solo Sokoa. The match starts. It's uh, Elias versus uh, Solo Sokoa. Now, this match was uh, a fun match. It was like a little over eight minutes. A little over eight minutes. At the beginning of the match, it was uh, Elias pretty much holding his own, taking out Solo Sokoa, kicking him, kicking him out of the ring. In fact, you know, and then uh, with a sliding drop, with a with a drop kick, 
you know, drop kicks him from outside the ring, just like, yeah, insult injury. Solo goes back to what Solo does, usually does when he first came in there, go for a chair. When things don't go Solo's way, things don't go Solo's way, Solo grabs the chair. But Sami Zayn's there to stop the whole thing. Like, hey, come on, calm down. So now in this match, I think uh, Elias, well, he named a move. It's a, it's flying knee. He has a flying knee. One of his very few moves Elias has, it's a flying knee. And uh, he called it the, uh, the, the simp phony. That's right, he's the simp phony. Wait, no, it's not the simp phony. It's a simp phony. Simp, okay. Yeah, well, anyways, it's uh, Kevin Patrick brought it up and uh, Corey Graves like, well, I'm never going to call it that. <laughs> well, after that symphony goes to a pin attempt, doesn't get it. Sami Zayn, like cheering on, like, it's only a two. It's a two count. And Elias goes out the ring like, oh, shut your, shut your mouth. You, you, I don't know. They start talking about something nonsense. Elias is uh, distracting himself of the big picture and it works. Not for uh, Elias. I'm not sure. <laughs> it doesn't work at all, actually. <laughs> so he goes back around. He goes for a uh, schoolboy roll-up on uh, Solo Sokoa. This last attempt for victory, I guess. Does not get that. Um, they scuffle a bit. They go towards the uh, corner. And like earlier in the match, uh, Elias really likes to throw out the, uh, the corner... Uh, a mule kick, the mule kick from the corner. You know, first time it hit, he hit uh, Solo's core with a mule kick. Second time, however, Solo ain't gonna fall for that one twice. And he tosses, reflects Elias over to the ropes and then follows up with a super kick to Elias' face, drags him into the ring, and then with the Yurinagi or the spinning Solo, puts the match to rest. That's right. Elias with a big loss again. Um... Solo score with a gigantic win. Now, after the match, however, it's the uh, giant, uh, the, the Samoan spike, that's right. The thumbs down, the thumb right to the throat of Elias. Uh, Sami Zayn sets up uh, Elias and then Solo with a massive Samoan spike. And then after that, Solo tried to do to uh, Elias what he did to uh, Matt Riddle, wrapping a chair around his head and going to just put him to the hospital with a big old bump to the corner. But before he can do that, he sets up for the run and it's Kevin Owens comes to the ring. Oh, he saves the day with a massive stunner on Solo Sokoa. Knocks him out. Whammo! So Solo and Sammy decide best to, uh, hey, we made our point. Let's it go. So they leave. And then in the ring, oh my, it was hilarious. Um, Elias, he thinks like, oh my goodness, Kevin Owens, oh, he saved my life. That's great. I'm going to go and say thank you. He goes and says, get, puts his hand on um, Kevin Owens' shoulder. Kevin Owens turns, kicked to the stomach, and then it's a stunner time. That's right. Kevin Owens stunners the living hell out of Elias. We're still not good. I may have saved your ass, but I still don't like you. So next up, we got ourselves a big match. Asuka versus Judgment Days, Rhea Ripley. Good. It couldn't be anybody else from Rhea uh, Judgment Day. <laughs> Anyways, Oscar versus Rhea Ripley in this big match. Joining Rhea Ripley ringside is, of course, Dominic Mysterio. Mysterio. 
Now, this match was a very hard-hitting match. This was a very, very good match. A very good match indeed. Um, Asuka really doing some damage on Rhea Ripley. Rhea, she's got some insane size on her, you know. Oscar um, with some pin attempts. Rhea Ripley, just, uh, just... You know, she's got a lot of stamina in the ring. Rhea Ripley, you can't just uh, just expect her to lie down and then lose because Rhea Ripley, she's, she's got a tank on her. She's got a tank. You know, I'm not just talking about that, but... <laughs> okay, that was inappropriate. I apologize. Now, we got a point problem here uh, in the match where Rhea Ripley was simply getting on with kicks and just... just pin attempts and then Rhea Ripley's just uh, she's on the outside of the ring apron and she gets the old uh, hip check outside the ring she lands hard Dominic Mysterio checks out her her mammy 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 are you okay anyways Asuka decides to go out and uh, intercept Rhea Ripley from outside mm -hmm. and while she's out there Dominic gets in front of uh, Asuka and stops things, you know, just uh, distracts her a little bit. Enough times that uh, Rhea Ripley can have a, a sneak attack and uh, throws uh, Asuka to the ring post. That's right. But here's the thing. Rhea Ripley tries to put away Asuka, but Asuka manages to get on the Asuka lock onto Rhea Ripley. Rhea goes down. She goes down and she's it's in a bad spot for Rhea. Dominic thinks fast. The referee goes down and focuses only on... I'm not sure what the referee's looking at, but he's very looking at the small picture for sure. So Dominic jumps up, grabs Rhea's leg, and pulls the whole two of them closer to the ropes and hooks Rhea's foot onto the, top, onto the bottom rope. <laughs> it's true. Referee still doesn't see what's going on, even though he notices the, the Oscar and Rhea getting pulled a couple inches you know, to the side. He still, he doesn't see anything. And then Dominic jumps onto the ring apron, gets the referee's attention. Referee, look at her foot's on the rope. You shouldn't be seeing it. Okay, so the referee gets up fine. He goes, oh, hey, uh, you break the hold there. It's a, you know, you can't have that hold on there. And then this is where Oscar uh, gets here. All so upset, all so upset. She gets up and faces Dominic face to face. And then with a massive sneeze, the Omicron spray right into, oh my gosh. Dominic gets it, the green Omicron right in the eyes and mouth and nose. It is horrible. What a horrible faith. Anyways, while this is happening, Rhea Ripley's getting her bearings together. And uh, when Asuka turns around, it is the Riptide City. Asuka goes down. She goes down. One, two, three. The pin matches over in uh, about 12 minutes. This was pretty, pretty good. It was a barn burner for sure. Asuka loses this match because she's too curious and uh, focusing in on Dominic. This was, uh, but however, Asuka loses again. Rhea Ripley on a tear. After so long off, she's, uh, Rhea Ripley's matches are barn burners. They are just, uh, they're great. They are, uh, um, yeah, they're bangers. Anyways, let's move on. We go backstage. It is in the, uh, I guess, medical area. The doctor is uh, flushing uh, Dominic Mysterio's eyes out with eye drops. And now this is what I think is happening right now. This is the uh, version of Dominic 2.0. That's right. This is where Dominic is going to start wearing uh, colored contact lenses. 
That's right. What color will Dominic's eyes be next week? Because we all know there's going to be a huge change in Dominic's eyes. Because uh, just like Rey Mysterio, he loves those contact lenses, the colored contacts. So, I'm thinking um, Dominic's eyes are going to be a uh, very uh, crystal blue. Crystal blue is going to be his eye color next week. It's my guess. Or maybe a, a light uh, aqua, aqua blue. Anyways, moving on. We got ourselves a Dolph Ziggler. Just uh, jawing away, jacking, you know, talking away how much the uh, United States Championship means to everybody in the WWE. Mm -hmm. And apparently, um, the current champion, uh, um, Austin Theory, is just too cocky and arrogant and has too much of a chip on his shoulder uh, to be a... Uh, to be a uh, to be a good champ. So what doesn't, so everything Austin Theory has doesn't make a good champ. Saying the person who is that. Wow. Well, because uh, whoever said Dolph Ziggler is not cocky and arrogant and has holds a chip on the shoulder. That's just all three things. That's so ridiculous. Anywho, Dolph Ziggler being complete, uh, you know, uh, yeah. we move on. Hypocrite, that's right. Dolph Ziggler being a complete hypocrite. That's the word I was looking for. So now we move on to our main event match. It is uh, the United States number one contenders match between Bobby Lashley and Seth freaking Rollins. Now this match was match of the night. Even though Bobby Lashley should have got disqualified many times. But you know what? These rules are the rules. I mean, uh, they're just ridiculous for fighting outside the ring. Now... We start big with uh, Seth Rollins with a massive running, uh, flying knee from inside the ring, outside the ring, you know, just squashing Bobby Lashley. But here's the thing. They fight outside a lot. Bobby Lashley, he's uh, he gets uh, Seth Rollins outside the ring and he starts ram using his head as a battering ram and starts ramming his head directly into the steel steps. Not once, not twice, but three times. And while he's smashing his head in the ring, we go uh, backstage and we're looking at the awesome theory checking out the action and wondering hmm I wonder why Bobby Lashley's not getting uh, at least a talking to that he shouldn't be doing that but anyways I mean doing that as in uh, using uh, Seth Rollins head as a battering ram battering ram into the uh, steel steps but anyways here's the th weird funny part Bobby Lashley then decides to use the uh, steel steps itself the bash as a weapon now this is only difference is semantics I think like smashing someone's head against the uh, steel steps and using steel steps to bash someone's head on it, I think it's really the same thing. But however, Corey Graves like, oh, do you want to get disqualified for that? The referee's like, you better put that down or you're going to get disqualified. Really? Really? Why draw the line there? Why draw the line there? So Bobby Lashley decides better and puts the steel steps down. But later on in the match, he gets... Uh, Seth Rollins on the shoulders, a fireman's carry, and uses his head as a projectile and runs directly in to the, to the uh, ring post itself. I, I, say, I suppose you can't pick up the ring and, and hit someone with the ring, so that's impossible. No, it's ridiculous. This is disqualifying moves, but I guess the reason why it's not disqualifying moves is because it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, so you got your head bounced off the steel steps, so you got your head bounced off the steel post, 
it doesn't really matter and it didn't really matter anyways because Seth Rollins uh, got things together and uh, he tried to finish the match off too he got himself in a great position for a massive frog splash I mean his Seth Rollins frog splashes they're right up there with Montez Ford they are amazing squashes Bobby Lashley but however did not end it Seth Rollins tries to finish him off with a curb stomp he runs up he gets his foot clean on the back of uh, Bobby Lashley's neck and pushes down. But however, Bobby Lashley was just too strong and kept himself up, you know. And after that, he gets on the hurt lock right on Seth Rollins. Now, this is the end sequence here. The hurt lock is on Seth Rollins. Seth, what are you going to do? Are you going to tap out? No. This is where it gets weird. Seth Rollins um, backs himself up. The referee seems to back him up too, to the corner. And then uh, the referee, I guess, you know, usually a referee, if they're uh, getting close to the action, they, uh, they take a step to the side, but this referee takes a drastic action. He dives outside the ring. Dives outside the ring. Now this referee, uh, when he hit the mat, apparently he may have twisted his ankle when he landed. So he's like, oh, hoo, 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 my ankle poo. So yeah, he's down. Meanwhile in the ring, Seth Rollins uh, creates separation, enough separation where uh, Bobby Lashley can uh, assert his finishing uh, front bump spear. <laughs> That's right. The front bump spear knocks the holy hell out of Seth Rollins. He goes to the pin, but the referee, you know, he's just a little bit slow because he had a hobble in that ring. But it was, he got there pretty quick. But however, Seth Rollins did kick out of that spear. Bobby Lashley gets a infuriated by the referee he starts giving him an, an earful an earful so eventually he sets up he for another spear he runs in to spear seth rollins now this was a regular spear not a front bump spear this was a, a roman reign spear this was a uh, an edge spear this was a normal spear and this spear um seth rollins caught him in the pedigree and pedigreed bobby lashley right then and there so the spear cancelled out Terminated, you know, countered with the, you know, pedigree. It was pretty impressive. Flops over Bobby Lashley. Referee was there at that time with the one, two, three. Done and done. Ref match is over in under eight minutes. Can you believe it? Now, after the match is over, Seth Rollins celebrates. He's left the ring. Bobby Lashley is, is irate. He's got the looks at kill, that kill. He was got to murder that referee. The referee tried to escape. Uh, Bobby Lashley puts his hands on the referee, puts him back into the corner. No one puts ref in the corner. And this is where another official comes out. Another referee comes out to see what's going on to stop things from escalating. But uh, here's where things get escalated. The referee gets, uh, he puts his hands on uh, Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley lashes out with a massive backhand elbow. Like a, a elbows the referee right in the face. Now he slides out the ring, and uh, why? Last week, when uh, Bobby Lashley speared uh, the official, not referee official, uh, Petey Williams, the uh, innovator of the uh, Canadian Destroyer, a little Papa, little Petey Pump, got uh, speared by Bobby Lashley. He was warning, that better not happen again, otherwise it's out of my hands, and the consequences will be severe. So now, what's going to happen? Adam Pierce is out there telling Bobby Lashley, listen, Bobby Lashley, what you did is wrong. I told you about this. And Bobby Lashley is not hearing any of this. He pushes Adam Pierce out of the way and he tries to escape, walk away. But Adam Pierce will have none of it. 
he spins Bobby Lashley around him with the last words of the night. He says, Bobby Lashley, you're fired! That's right. Adam Pierce fires Bobby Lashley. Does Adam Pierce have that power? Is he that much of an official? Is he the king official? So anyways, this is probably from higher ups. They said fire his ass for doing that. So what's going to happen? Is it truly is Bobby Lashley's last match? A loss to uh, Seth Rollins. We'll find out. We'll find out if uh, Bobby Lashley finds himself into the uh, the rankings of the all elite. Anyways. Uh, now, after this. Um, now, that wraps it up for uh, another episode of Monday Night Raw. But fear not, listener. Stay tuned for our coverage of the NXT right after this short break. Farting. We all do it. It's not only a fact of life. It's also a completely normal bodily function. To live is to fart. But I had a dream. A special calling. A call to action. Hi, I'm Cootie Roods, founder and CEO of Wind Express. This all elite product is for people like me, who, like many of you out there, I suffer from IFSF, which is insufferably foul-smelling farts. With many years of trial and errors, we discovered that forever suppressing your farts will lead to a quick death after just a few months of gas suppression. We at Wind Express have created a breakthrough odor technology patent, Windex. This technology will alter the perfume of one's farts to any fragrant resupply. Like me, join the millions and say goodbye to the nightmare of farts to saying yes to life. Order today and we will include our very new fart noise cancellation insert for free. With the fart noise cancellation insert, you can now fart confidently, openly and anonymously anywhere. Windex must be used on a daily basis. The sudden stoppage of Windex after extended usage may cause whooshness of flashlance. Lewis Ling Show oh, 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 Baby It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida it's the NXT Air date, December 13th, 2022. This episode is Deadlines, Aftermath, and The Road to New Year's Evil. Let's go. Well, Bo. Well, Bo. Welcome back, listener. I'm Lip Hazlywood, and we're about to take a very cynical look back at the latest tapings of the NXT's Road to Deadline. Actually, no, it's not Road to Deadline, it's Road to New Year's Evil in the aftermath of Deadline. And uh, now before we get into the show, a quick shout out to the non-competitors. That's right. First and foremost, representing the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and some might even call them the narrators of the whole show. They are the team of two-time, two-time Hall of Famer. My personal favorite, Booker T, and backing him up, it is a very bipartisan Vic Joseph. 
And of course, let's not forget getting all the pre-match interviews and backstage scoops. It is Mackenzie Mitchell doing a fantastic job tonight, I must say. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get on with the show. Now, this show is, of course, the aftermath, the deadline. The aftermath, not uh, the road to, of course. And it's, uh, they had the Iron, um, Iron Survivor Challenge, men's and women's. So then we have Roxanne Perez, the representation. She she won the women's Iron um, Iron Survivor Challengers uh, match. And she's out there and, uh, you know, making your in-ring promo. And while she's trying to talk, why? We got her some uh, interference from outside. Coming in a little bit late, but better late than never. Am I right? High five. <laughs> Grayson Waller comes in there. And he's talking about his big victory at uh, um, Deadline in his uh, performance in the Iron Survivor match. That's true. So he's uh, he's just eating the whole scene. Grayson Waller is doing what he does best. He's putting himself first above anybody else. So he eventually makes himself into the uh, makes his way into the uh, NXT arena. And uh, Roxanne Perez and there's like hello, no one wants to hear from you. And then Braun Breaker comes out there and, uh, you know, he backs up Roxanne Perez. And eventually, they start talking about uh, what's going to go on, you know. Okay, well, anyways, Braun Breaker chases um, Grayson Waller outside. He chases him away, so they run away, uh, leaving Roxanne Perez in the ring by herself. But she's not by herself because uh, she's attacked from behind by Mandy Rose. And Mandy Rose lays the beats down on her inside the ring. So while they're in the ring, we leave as an audience, uh, the, the viewing audience from the, you know, and we go backstage to uh, a little bit of uh, J.D. McDonough in the medical bay. And he's getting uh, an update of his condition. And um, J.D. already knew everything that's going to happen because he knows his body and everybody's body, like the back of his own hand. He understands the human anatomy. He knows what's going on. And next you know, he sees the Brutus, the Creed brothers come in to the medical bay. And he calls them over and he talks about uh, stuff. You know, kind of talking down to the Creed brothers. You know, you're here again. Ha ha ha. Yes, of course. Uh, anyways, it's good stuff. Uh, no respect going either way. It turns out that a match is being called. J.D. McDonough versus a Brutus a Creed. The big question is, will we see the Brutus ball in tonight's match? Well, we'll soon find out. Well, we know one thing for sure. Uh, he's not, Brutus Creed is not wearing his uh, Brutus Ball shirt. So that is maybe a telltale sign. Regardless. So yeah, match is set. But then we go into the ring again. Mandy Rose is showing off her title belt and um, Roxanne Perez has had it. Guess what? She's not waiting another day. She's not waiting until New Year's Evil. Not a day further. So she challenges Mandy Rose for a title matchup in tonight's episode of NXT. So I'm assuming something must have happened during the uh, JD McDonough uh, thing. Maybe you thought, hey, you know what? Maybe we shall push. Maybe we shall push this match. You know, considering Mandy Rose was not at deadline at all, her belt was not being contested. So, anyways, main event match. Mandy Rose versus Roxanne Perez. That should be a barn burner. 
Roxanne Perez, I think she's a fantastic athlete and a great performer. Anyway, <clears throat> moving on, what happens next? We go backstage. It's an attack backstage. It's uh, Channing Lorenzo, Mr. Stax himself, under the orders of, I assume, uh, Tony D'Angelo, attacks Wesley back there and they start fighting towards ringside. And then they, Wesley turns it around and uh, they throw it into the ring. Referee calls for the bell. That's right. Um, so yeah, Wesley versus representing the D'Angelo family uh, is Channing Stax Lorenzo. This match was a really, a really good match. Um, almost match of the night. I guess it's up there with match of the night. It was great, a great match. Now, alongside Tony, um, Channing Stax Lorenzo is, of course, Tony D'Angelo. I thought this. I thought, you know what? This was a huge missed opportunity for Tony. I think Tony could have used this time, not just cheering on um, Channing Stax Lorenzo, but he should have taken the uh, joint commentary, stretched his, uh, made his character, you know, give a little growth to his character, you know? But he did not take that opportunity to jump on the microphone, which he should have done. I personally think, yeah. Any chance Tony D'Angelo has to open up his gab and, uh, you know, and do his magic, he should take it. Any chance. Anyways, regardless, this match was a barn burner. This was about 11 minutes of uh, just really amazing wrestling. Period. Both uh, Wesley, he is on top of his game. He's the next tier athlete. Uh, Channing Lorenzo, he is, a, he is a worker. He's a workhorse in that ring. You know, he may look like... Uh, um, yogurt, yogurt in the ring, but he's not. He's very skilled. Now, here's one move I thought was, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. This could have been very bad. It looked amazing. Uh, Wesley, he goes for amazing, a massive tope suicida. He soars over the top rope. Here's the thing though. Channing seems to be just a little bit too far back. Just a little bit, just a little bit too far back. Um, Wesley did a full flip over he did a, a full front bump over top of the ropes now here's the thing Chang Lorenzo it looked like it was a like he reversed a move looked like he caught him and power bombed Wesley looked like he power bombed Wesley outside the ring that would have been crazy like literally a crazy thing to do because you can kill someone out there like that um including with the, all the paddings out there so Wesley takes a massive oh but he for the amazing, crazy height he took. Um, this would be at the least amount of damage you can possibly take Wesley's bump. But wow. Wow, wow, wow. That was, whew. whew. It could have ended it all right there. Wesley's career could have been over. Done and over with. But regardless, match continues. Um, looks like Channing stacks Lorenzo. He's brought Brock out the old, uh, what's that? Uh, the Lion's Tamer. Except it's a single leg, uh, single leg crab, lion tamer. But here we go. In the end of the match. Because it was a good, it was a very good match. End sequence was this. Uh, Channing gets set up in the corner. Um, with the massive uh, corner insiguri. So Wesley just smashes him in the corner. Usually he's his finishing move. The insiguri is all you really need. Um, Channing drops to the ground. And then... This was a crazy move. Channing gets up. There is a couple of feet between them now. Wesley uh, stands backwards. 
back towards uh, Channing, and then with a, a back handspring Pele kick. Whew. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Oh nilly. That was next level. Very, yeah. Not anybody can do that move. You gotta, you gotta be very confident and competent to do that next level. Five-star move. Wesley with a massive win. Very impressive indeed. But after the match was done, it's not over. Because um, we've got Dijek. He comes in the ring there. He, he uh, makes a stand. He, jets on the, he steps onto the ring apron. And he stares down Wesley. But however, while Wesley's uh, being completely uh, uh, focused on Dijek, behind Wesley is an attack. That's right. Tony D'Angelo attacks Wesley, dropping him to the ground. And then, yeah, I guess uh, they leave it at that right now. I can see definitely see a triple threat, perhaps, in the makings of Wesley, Dijak, and, of course, um, Tony D'Angelo, who is still, I think, uh, worried about that knee he uh, totally destroyed in his last match against Wesley. Anyways, now we go backstage with, uh, what's that? We see Duke Hudson with, uh, I don't know, uh, Mr. Uh, Drew Gulak shaking hands, being all friendly-like. Now, although last week Drew Gulak, Drew Gulak was with uh, Damon Kemp. You know, Damon Kemp's like, watch me beat up, uh, you know, uh, Duke Hudson next week. And anyways, it was uh, Andre Chase and Thea Hale back there, and he see the whole thing going on, and Drew Gulak said, what's going on? What are you doing with him? You're with us. Anyways, I think it's a, a watch me thing situation. But it's all Duke Hudson. He's all about, he's going to take out, you know, um, Damon Kemp. And he's looking forward to it. And uh, Thea Hale, wow, she is uh, next level enthusiastic over here. Really bringing up lightning fire, lighting the fire under the Chase brand, the Chase U brand. Anyways, we go into the ring. Our next match is a tag team match. It's uh, Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley versus Toxic Attractions, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. Now, this wasn't really a tag team match. This wasn't really a match at all. This was just a fiasco, if you ask me. No one asked you. I'm sorry, but uh, that's what I think. Not much of a tag team match. Now, why say that? Join the matchup. Join the t joining commentary, so to speak. Joining the... Uh, joining Booker T and uh, Vic Joseph on commentary, even though they're just, they're just joining them. They're not, they didn't have anything much. As, anyway, regardless, they're joining uh, Booker T and uh, Vic Joseph are the tag team champions. Caden um, Carter and Katana Chance. Now, the whole match basically revolved around them because in the match there, uh, they many times, every time they fight outside the ring, and they fought outside the ring a lot, it was a very short match. It was like three and a half minutes. Let's get that straight. Not much of a match. It's always brought outside and... Uh, it's basically uh, dots toxic attraction uh, taunting, you know. Uh, Casey, um, you know, uh, Caden Carter and a Katana Chance. But here we go. The end sequence was this. The end sequence is this. Uh, it is uh, J.C. Jane and Ivy now fighting outside the ring again on the commentary <coughs> commentator side, and it's J.C. Jane grabs. Uh, Avinal and then 
chucks her, like midget tosses her, over top the commentary table, right into the laps of Caden Carter Katanishan, just squashing both. It was hilarious. You know? But, you know, it's uh, they shouldn't have been down in the first place. Should have been down there in the first place. But I guess they should have, because uh, later on, uh, I guess... Um, What's that? Gigi and JC get Ivy and Tatum back in the ring, and they're about to go back in the ring themselves. But however, it is a uh, Caden Carter Katan chance to join in and pull down uh, Gigi and JC and pull them out of the ring and start attacking them, punching them in the face. And this is where the referee's like, "Well, this is where you got to stop the match, girls. This is no no longer a match." I didn't say about the tags or not because you know there wasn't any tags. It wasn't a match. So yeah. The officials come in there. The officials, come, you know, here's the thing. Um, it was like basically uh, Gigi Dolan, J.C. Jane, and uh, Casey, Caden uh, Carter, Katana Chance fighting it out. And then here's the thing. This tells me a lot. This next sequence tells me a lot about uh, Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley. Mostly Ivy Nile. Now, Ivy Nile decides, now they're going to attack all four of them. Ivy now gets on the apron and you think something big, but this tells a lot about her personality in the ring, how small she goes. She's not just small in stature, but she jumps off of the ring and then starts attacking them. Wow, what a fizzle. Ivy Nile, she's a, she's a monster when it comes down to fitness, but in the ring itself, uh, there's no place for Ivy Nile in the ring. She's got good intentions, but that's about it. Now, here's the thing. This is why I say that Tatum Paxley, however, she sees this pathetic little move and she springboards herself over top of the rope, squashing, squashing Gigi, um, Gigi Dolan and Caden uh, Carter. A massive move. There's like such a big difference between, uh, you know, commitment to the wrestling. Ivy Nile got very little. Um, Tatum Paxley, she's ready to rock and roll. She's ready to uh, commit to it. Anyways, regardless. Regardless of that, what I think about Ivy Nile and how little I think about her, let's move on. We go backstage. We got some problems. We got some problems. It's with, uh, what's that? Fallon Henley. Her poppy and her mommy and a poppy. Their bar's in trouble. Their bar's in trouble. What can Brooks Jensen, Josh Briggs do? Not much, but worry a lot. It's a tough time. Tough time for Fallon Henley's a bar. Ooh, my. Anyways, from that we go to Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes talk about Deadline and his, well, he didn't shoot and score, but, you know, he didn't. Okay. Regardless, it's all about Axiom and he's uh, posterizing um, Carmelo Hayes. You know, when Car uh, Axiom did a massive... Uh, a tope or a massive uh, high-flying move out top, squashing almost everybody. And here is a, have a picture of uh, Carmelo Hayes looking like, oh my goodness, wow, that's craziness what happened there. He was in shock. Terrible picture. So uh, I guess there's a rule that Carmelo Hayes says, uh, you better erase that picture. And uh, Trick's like, uh, it's on Twitter. Anyways, our next match. It's Avon Wagner versus... Uh, my name's Odyssey Jones. Odyssey Jones! With uh, Idris Inoufi and Malik Blade by his side and uh, Robert Stone by uh, Von Wagner's side. Now, this is the battle of the two big men. And this was a three-minute match. The commercial breaks are longer than this. It was uh, two big guys, very evenly strength. 
trying to battle who's better. Now here's at the end part, end sequence was this. Um, Von Wagner goes for a high cross onto Odyssey Jones. Odyssey catches him and like falls forward. He like it doesn't it was the world's strongest slam or did he fall forwards? I think it was he fell forwards. That's what I think. Anyways. Now Odyssey is uh setting up in one corner. Von Wagner's on another corner, getting up. Who knows what's going to happen? Some uh, clash of some sort. But here's where it gets weird. Avon, uh, Mr. Stone, Robert Stone goes in there and grabs some piece of clothing. I think it belongs to uh, Odyssey. He left there in the corner. He grabs that and he jumps into the ring. Jumps into the ring. And he's distracting Odyssey as much as he can. Um, Malik's sweater vest blade. Malik Blade jumps in there. No, it's, uh, I should say, Idris Nofe. I should say, Idris runs in. To chasing Robert Stone. On the other side, however, while the referee's checking this mess out there, um, Von Wagner, I guess he's leans outside the ring for some reason. He's leaning outside the ring where it's Malik Blade. Malik, who got his uh, sweater vest ripped by Von Wagner weeks ago, gets his revenge by cheating for uh, Odyssey Jones. A massive uh, a basement dropkick to... Uh, Von Wagner's head. Mm-hmm. Von Wagner. Then everything goes back normal. He turns around. Everything's normal again. Von Wagner gets up. And next you know what? It is a massive running uh, splash. Running a, basically a high cross body splash. Aussie Jones squashes. Literally. Quite literally. Squashes. Von Wagner in that match. Now I'm a big fan of Von Wagner. I think there's big things for Von Wagner. But uh, I guess this is the time for Aussie Jones. My name's Odyssey Jones, and I just beat Von Wagner Jones. Okay, I don't know. But anyways, like I say, three and a half minutes, no, three minutes in this match. Now, next up, we got ourselves Mackenzie Mitchell with uh, a pre-match interview with Javier Barnell. And uh, I've noticed something about Javier. Javier, um, he, he reminds me of somebody from the past, you know, uh, uh, Bray Wyatt's brother. That's right. Does anybody... I don't know, listener. Do you remember a person named Bo Dallas? Bo Dallas. Javier Bernal is like Bo Dallas 2.0. That's how I feel about him. No one cares about him. He's very enthusiastic. He got a lot of pushes, but people just don't care about Javier Bernal. They just don't care about him for some reason. Um, It seems like just like uh, Bo Dallas. He got a lot of pushes from the... uh, management, the upper ups, higher ups, you know, they got faith in him. He is a good wrestler, but it's something didn't connect. There's no real connection with the fans, you know, you know, with all the thing with the bows ring, bow, because we all said bow boring when he's in the ring, he changed the bows ring. It was beautiful, magnificent, it, you know, anyways, Javier Brunel versus, uh, what's his name? Itchy Man Zero. Now here's the thing, Mackenzie's like, well, hate to be, uh, I'd like to be the biased one here, but I, I, I'm biased, but I believe uh, Icky Man's going to beat you tonight. I hope he, be, he hope he wins, basically. So Mackenzie's on um, Itchy Man's side. Itchy Man Zero. And Javier Bernal's very upset about the whole situation. Anyways, we go on to the match. Javier versus Icky Man Zero. Now, it was a back-and-forth match, like usual. Icky Man with his dumb jacket, you know. So they fight outside for a bit. Icky Man uh, gets thrown into the ring. 
there's Javier talking to, uh, you know, just being distracted out there a little bit too long. Then this is the weird thing. The end sequence of the match. Icky Man, for some reason, he uh, topes, he jumps outside the ring. This is a la R-Truth style. Now, R-Truth, he did a thing. He landed on his head. It was terrible. R-Truth is seriously injured because of his move against Grayson Waller. Now, this one here, Icky Man jumps over the top rope with a front flip over the top. Nowhere near where Javier is standing. Like, if Javier didn't think fast, this would have been bad. So, Icky Man, with a dumbass uh, front flip over the top rope, outside the ring. Javier quickly on his feet, like, oh my goodness, I better catch this idiot. Yes, Rick, I called Icky Man an idiot, because uh, what a, if you've seen this move, you think, wow, wow, what is, what, what is this guy thinking? Clearly he's not. So, Javier trying to catch him as best as he can, like trying to, oh, oh, you better, you know, this could be bad. But it's good. Uh, Icky Man did land on his ass. He could have, uh, you know, um, popped his knee, dislocated his knee, you know, uh, sprained his knee, but he didn't. After that, they they, uh, they get back into the ring there. They scuffle some more. Icky Man gets uh, Javier on the top rope. And then with the uh, Turkarana, tosses him off the ropes. Very uh, underwhelming. After that, it is the, uh, what is that? Um, the Inzagiri. And Inzagiri ends it for the match. And it is like a three-minute match again. A regular standard commercial break is much longer than this match. Icky Man gets a big victory. And this is the first match Icky Manjiro had, has, n has had in NXT for like years. It's been a long time since Icky Man got a victory in NXT. Although, the level up, Icky Man is the man. Icky is the man. <laughs> but after the match, Icky Man Zero gets uh, attacked by sign my name, sign my name. Okay, it's scripts. Reggie uh, 2.0 with his dumb mask and his, uh, you know, uh, I want to be Scorpion from the, uh, uh, what's that, uh, Mortal Kombat uh, costume. Anyways, enough with the bashing of the uh, scripts. Scripts attacks Itchy Man Zero, because, you know, Itchy Man, he's uh, if you want to make a name for yourself, attack the lowest man on the totem pole. So he attacks him, and then he goes on top, he steals his jacket, puts it on inside out, and then goes to the top rope, and with his uh, molly go round, that's right, the molly go round, um, this the front somersault uh, Santon, sit down Santon, front somersault, sit down tan Santon, he almost completely missed, over rotated, but he didn't. Squash the Icky Man, and voila, Scripps, you made your point by squashing someone who really rarely ever wins in NXT. Good for you, making a mark. Because after all, if you do, uh, if you were to attack people like I don't know JD McDonough, there'd be some serious hurting going on. And I'm talking about JD McDonough. Anyways, let's move on. We go backstage. We have a little bit of a, a vignette, uh, a Wendy Chu vignette. You know, living, reliving childhood traumas, and it's brought on by Core Jade by splashing her drink in her own face during her match. She brought back old traumas, but when she was a kid and when she was splashed in the face when a child, she was very embarrassed. So I guess she's going to get revenge. So ridiculous. Anyways, regardless, let's move on. Uh, we go to uh, the New Day, the new tag team champions of uh, the NXT. So they're talking to talk in there. And next, you know, we got her. And Kofi Kingston. 
He's a 15-time champion now. Good for you, Kofi. Good for you. And uh, Kofi wearing a wonderful set of ring shoes again. Nice. Uh, no, they're not basketball sneakers. They seem like be uh, skater shoes. Anyways, who knows? Will Kofi ever wear actual wrestling boots again? Regardless, I don't know why I keep on bashing on Kofi. Enough of that. Kofi and Xavier Woods, proud champions of NXT, but however, they're met down there by the uh, uh, ex-champions, the former champions of uh, Pretty Deadlies, Kit Wilson and Elton Prince. Well, they won a championship rematch. By uh, They would. They have one request. There are a lot of uh, kudos um, were happening between uh, Kofi and New Day's. Kofi and uh, uh, Pretty Deadly, I should say. But then one request, you uh, recite the Legion of the American Flag. And this is where um, them good old boys, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs, comes to the ring and recite the, uh, you know. Yep. Anyways. Um, so they go down, and they basically, here's what happens. Uh, they just recited the Legion of the American Flag. And uh, right there, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods extend the hand to uh, for this is going to be next week. Next week is going to be a big tag team championship match. Them Denim Boys, or formerly Them Denim Boys, uh, Brooks Jetson, Josh Briggs versus Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods next week for them. NXT Tag Team Champions, baby. Okay, so now we go backstage. Electra Lopez backstage with like... All a lot of the women back there, you know, and she's basically toting her, touting her own bell about, you know, if I were in the deadline, you know, uh, a survivor a challenge match, I would have won me, Electra Lopez. Yeah, first, there, no chance, no chance. The Electra Lopez has got a lot of uh, potential, but she's still as green as oh, oh hell, hella green. So she's out there, and this is the funny thing. I thought Lash Legend standing behind her was uh, um, Bianca Belair. Like, uh, I'm like, wait, something, something's wrong about this one. Uh, Bianca's not that, uh, you know, uh, doesn't look like that quite, uh, quite so in doubt. Anyways, everybody's there. I believe Saul Roca's back there and everybody back there. Anyways, while this is happening, I guess uh, Indy Hartwell hears all the story and uh, she decides to uh, take uh, the situation in her own hands and uh, kicks Electra Lopez off her pedestal, at least off her chair. So this would be something. Um, Indy Hartwell, she let the world down and herself down that she was going to fight uh, Mandy Rose. She promised that she would win the old, that, uh, the old uh, um, you know, Iron Survivor Challenge, but she failed. So now she's taking it out on... Uh, I guess Electra Lopez saying, if I were there, I'd win. And say, well, you weren't there. And I was there. Okay, so anyways, Indy Hartwell's very upset. And I like to see this match. Will it be good? Who knows? Indy Hartwell versus uh, um, Electra Lopez. That should be coming up. Okay, our next match. It is uh, JD McDonough versus uh, Brutus Creed of the uh, Diamond Mine. Now, this was an interesting match. This could have been a great match. The, the potential of being a, a the match of the night. But this match was not that good. It made very little sense to me. At the first part of the match, it was uh, Brutus absolutely no selling. Zero sell on anything J.D. McDonough did. 
anything he did Brutus just like what did you do something to me I thought there was a fly or a feather did you just punch me or was that a feather to hit me and then just absolutely clobbers JD McDonough like he was just like uh, you know yeah just clobbers the living hell out of JD McDonough I thought wow this is going to be a, is this literally going to be a squash match is Brutus going to squash JD that's ridiculous but here's the thing this is where it gets interesting very interesting um, Brutus finds himself outside the ring JD McDonough on the outside uh, on the apron he, with a massive missile dropkick to the back of uh, Brutus Brutus lands he falls forward and he lands uh, you know um, forearms against the commentary table nothing big but oh my goodness it seemed like he snapped his arm in two his forearm got like looked like he was selling it like he broke his forearm so he's like, oh, my forearm. Oh, 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 mommy. It was crazy. But that still, they got in the ring and there was uh, Brutus just with amazing, with an insane move. It was like a belly to back throw. It wasn't a suplex. He was uh, got uh, JD's back and then threw him over top of his head like he was nothing. I thought, well, this is pretty much it. I thought this, uh, will his arm be a play a part? Uh, Brutus Creed's uh, downfall apparently not so Joe JD gets thrown like like pretty easy like he was a sack of weighted nothing uh, JD rolls outside the ring to the apron he gets up there uh, Brutus this is where it gets yeah this is gets interesting Brutus falls him down there he gets caught by the head JD rips him off the uh, ropes Brutus falls back like oh that almost killed me now he's super selling it's ridiculous and then Julius Creed outside the ring, they're getting a little bit too close. And then JD with a massive Pele kick, you know, a penalty kick, I should say, a penalty kick, um, just knocks the holy hell out of uh, Julius Creed out there. One kick and it's done. And then, uh, oh, what's that? Brutus goes outside the ring and uh, next you know what? He gets penalty kicked by JD McDonough. And it gets even stranger, listener. It gets stranger from here. JD goes underneath the ring and grabs, he finds a chair and he's about to plow Brutus in the back with it to get disqualified. So it was, it was just made no sense. So then, of course, this is the storyline. It's uh, stopping JD from smashing Brutus Creed. No, and it's not Julius. It's Songa! Songa and Veer, they want Julius, Brutus Creed not to be totally hurt before their match. So strange. So I would thought, okay, now what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Brutus goes and runs himself into the uh, ring ape, uh, against the the barricade from the fans. He runs he runs directly into the barricade. I'm not sure what happened. He ran and either JT uh, stepped aside and Brutus like, ran into the barricade. I'm not sure what happened. It was just weird. And then it's JD with the old uh, devil inside. The inside suplex gets uh, Brutus Creed outside smashing out there. Inside the ring, they climb, and then it's another inside suplex. So basically, two solid moves by J.D. McDonough. It made no sense. From Bruce Creed, no selling everything, to all of a sudden, he gets hit by a shotgun. It, was, it just made no sense. Bruce Creed loses in four minutes. Uh, this match was nonsense. I love J.D. McDonough. This match was just nonsense. Um, so apparently it's setting up just one thing the eventual nonsense match is going to happen between the Brut uh, Bruce and Julius Creed versus uh, you know 
Sangha and uh, Veer. Mahan. Okay, next up, we got uh, Mit Mackenzie Mitchell with Zoe Starks backstage. And uh, Mackenzie wants uh, Zoe's opinion about Nikita Leon's, uh, Nikita Lyons' uh, TikTok video. And why? Zoe Stark thinks nothing of it, really. She thinks uh, Nikita Lyons is just nothing but a coat chaser. Um, and uh, she's more interested in uh, a viral videos, stuff like that, rather than being a true athlete where... Zoe Starks truly feels she's the true athlete between the two and thinks uh, Nikita Lyons is nothing but a joke. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, one uh, one's a fighter versus a model. Basically. Cheeks is, uh, yeah. Anyways, moving on. We got the secrets of Isla Dawn. Apparently she made a, uh, the COVID spray so powerful. So powerful. She sprays in your face, and then it's like a, uh, a brainwashing. She now got control of your mind. You're under control. And that's when she sprayed that referee in the face uh, a couple of weeks ago with that mind-altering mist. During her match with Alba Fire, she rubbed his leg and rubbed in the hex. So that's what happened. It's so weird. It's so weird. I, can, I can't wait to what Bray Wyatt does in the ring there. Oh, my God. But this is what's happening. Anyways. Isla Dawn perfecting her uh, her mist of, of uh, mind control. Mind control mist. It is. It is crazy as it sounds. Okay, anyways. Next match. It is Amari Miller, the resident jobber of the NXT. Let's not forget. She is the resident jobber of NXT. Who is she fighting? Why? It's the newly uh, packaged Lyra Valkyra. And, uh, yeah, this was all right. This was an okay match. This was three minutes, however. Three minutes. Back and forth in the first part. Lyra with a massive axe kick to the back of the uh, Amari. Now, Amari did one crazy move. It was pretty devastating. Amari had this running uh, Santon. And she did this when she landed on Val uh, Lyra. Oh, Valkyria. Whew. She got her with everything. There's no fake in that one. She just squashed Lyra. Now, here's the thing. Um, after that wonderful move, she tried to knock out Lyra with a massive roundhouse kick, stopped Lyra with her own roundhouse kick, knocking out Amari Miller to the ground. And then here's the thing. Lyra, her, the old Lyra had a finishing move. It was the, uh, the flying axe kick off the top rope. It turned out to be a flying uh, leg drop, and that is very dangerous you know, for everybody. The person doing it, especially. Because a leg drop can really destroy your spine. And off the top rope, ew, wow. That's called a, a serious career killer. Anyways, so what is Lyra going to do? Why? She goes to the top rope and she with a massive, a massive splash. This is, this is uh, Seth Rollins worthy. This is uh, Montez Ford worthy frog splash. This was awe-inspiring height levitation this was great um Lyra Valkyria squashes living hell out of Amari Miller wow 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 you know I would have liked to see a little bit more uh, offense on uh Lyra, Lyra you know just show what she can do and her uh um what she's willing to do to uh win and her style anyways it would have uh, sufficed more 
with at least a five minute match. Anyways, regardless, it was fun. Lyra with her uh, debut victory over the jobber called Amari Miller. Now, next we go backstage with a Mackenzie Mitchell with the Axiom. And Axiom really frisky and playful with uh, Mackenzie Mitchell being real cheeky, real cheeky back there. Talk about, look at my eyes. You can't. Uh, Axiom, if you don't know, Axiom is, uh, has a full mask. And this mask has, uh, so his entire face is obscured. So you can't see that he's a kid. So now, guess he's an adult. Man. So he's had a lot of, he's having fun with Mackenzie Mitchell, but it comes down to Carmelo Hayes. Um, he wants, he wants to take out Carmelo Hayes. He was going to be the big match so he can prove once for all that, yes, he does belong. Anyways, I think it's going to be a great match. Axiom versus Carmelo Hayes. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. That's going to be match of the night for sure if that happens. Now with that, we go to, uh, I guess we go uh, Caden Carter, Katana Chance. They're actually behind them. And the camera goes to Katana Chance and Caden Carter. And they're confronted with Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley. And then uh, they start, start arguing. And then Gigi Dolan and JC Jane come and attack them both. And they start attacking. But here's the thing. When the officials came in to, to uh, separate them all, I found something very interesting. I thought, oh my gosh. Is that William Regal? So, I don't know, William Regal could already be back in the NXT because uh, it might, might have been him. It was a quick shot. Might not have been. Anyways, uh, and then we go down to uh, next week. We have uh, Kiana James with uh, Brooks Jensen. And uh, she's talking about, you know, trying to, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on here. Maybe Kiana James has... Uh, things about maybe uh, taking Brooks Jensen and well she wants to turn him from a boy to a man and this could be good for Brooks Jensen in all fronts but Brooks Jensen's got his mind on uh, Fallon Henley and his and her parents and her bar so yeah Canada James I think Canada James gives him a present of a nicely fitted shirt beautiful black shirt just like uh, John Wayne would wear so yeah this could be something um I think uh you know uh Kiana James could be the uh, Yoko Ono of the, uh, you know, of them good, them good old boys. You know, Josh Brooks, Brooks Jensen, and Fallon Henley. I think she could uh, divide the team. I think for sure, Brooks Jensen will follow Kiana James out of the tag team. Anyways, we go to our next match. It's with uh, Duke Hudson. Of Chase U versus Damon Kemp, the match is finally here, set up from last week. Now, what's going to happen with this match? This match was was interesting, to say the least. It wasn't a great match or a good match. It was an interesting match. In the beginning part, it was Damon Kemp just destroying Duke Hudson, just 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 owning the match. Until, of course, this happened. Damon Kemp's um, wearing down Duke Hudson, you know, on the mat, grounding him out, and this is where uh, Drew Gulak shows up to the ring. Drew Gulak shows up and watches how things are going on and this is where Andre Chase takes offense. He starts, what are you doing here? You can't be, be here. Chase, Andre, I mean, Duke Hudson's with Chase you. So, anyways, uh, um, Drew Gulak ends up leaving and after he leaves, Andre Chase, I mean, uh, Duke Hudson, 
he starts uh, going old school, start doing all these tropes in the ring. It was re- it was weird, it was ridiculous, um, because Damien Kemp was winning the match until Duke Hudson started doing the. Um, he starts uh, harnessing the power of the Hulkamaniacs of Hulk Hogan. So he starts starting a shaking thing, shaking, shaking. Oh no, no more pain. Oh, he starts shaking, and then he starts doing the you thing, but to chase you, and then he follows that up with the Ultimate Warrior. Starts the Ultimate Warrior spin. You know? With a Macho Man spin, I should say. And then he grabs Damon Kemp with a belly-to-belly overhead throw. And then, Deshaun Michaels tuning up the band with a chase you, chase you. That's right. And he tunes up the band and with a super kick, uh, the pump kick, I should say. The brogue style kick. Knocks out Damon Kemp. Damon Kemp, of course, loses yet again. Damon Kemp. Now, perhaps I would like to see this, but this would be good. Damon Kemp and uh, Scripps as a tag team. They got similar body shapes, I'd say. Uh, they could be uh, Los Potatoes, because they look like two potatoes. Ha ha ha! boom Very un- inappropriate. Now, next up is our main event match. It is uh, for the women's championship gold! Uh, I guess... Uh, um, it is Manny Rose, who is the current champion, the defending champion, Manny Rose, versus um, Roxanne Perez. Now, Roxanne Perez is a smaller individual, but I believe, truly believe, Roxanne Perez is truly is a prodigy of wrestling. Her wrestling matches are great. She can put together a great match. She's a great performer, and she is a, she has a cardio in her that can go and go and go, that never stops. You know, only thing that I see as a hard hurdle for her is her physical stature. That's about it. But everything else, she is a true talent in that ring. No diggity dog. So now instead of waiting for, uh, you know, that big old New Year's evil, it's now. Now this match was a little bit under 10 minutes, but it was a barn burner. You know, uh, Roxanne Perez showed her due diligence in that ring that she can... She has the uh, heart and the stamina to, uh, you know, withstand anything um, Mandy Rose threw at her. With the cross face, nope, that ain't going to stop her. Including, Mandy Rose got to a point where she got her patented flying knee kiss of the rose onto Roxanne Perez. She thought, that's it, it's over. But, however... Roxanne Perez showed the heart of a champion and she kicked out of it. Mandy Rose, not so pleased. She gets up and she takes it out on the referee. Now, they end up scuffling some more. Mandy Rose tries to put it away, but they scuffle some more and then eventually it's Roxanne Perez getting Mandy Rose set up for the Pop Rocks. And then, of course, Set up, not just set up, but actually Mandy Rose is a victim of Pop Rocks. And like I say, a little under 10 minutes later, one, two, three, we got ourselves a brand new women's champion. Mandy Rose has been champion for a little over 400 uh, days. She is currently the greatest women's champion of the NXT. No doubt about it. But she is the ex-champion now. It is uh, Roxanne Perez. What can she do with this belt? 
Will she be a fighting champion? Will she be like Mandy Rose or like any other champion out there right now that they'll defend every once in a while? But we'll find out. Roxanne Perez is truly, right now Roxanne Perez is the highest level competitor to uh, receive that NXT Championship belt, I think. Truly. That's how highly I think of uh, uh, Roxanne Perez's skill level in that ring. Anyways. Roxanne Perez, your new women's NXT champion. But, of course, that uh, that wraps it up for another week of the NXT. But fear not, listener. Stay tuned for our coverage of SmackDown right after this short break. Lewis Ling Show oh, 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 Baby It's time For the wrestling show To take a very cynical look back at Representing the WWE And live From the Allstate Arena In Chicago, Illinois It's Friday Night Smackdown Air date, December 16th, 2022. This episode is The Road to the Royal Rumble. Let's go. Wellbo. Wellbo. Welcome back, listener. I'm the Paisley Wood, and this is The Wrestling Show's very cynical review slash a look back at the latest episode of Friday Night Smackdown. This episode is The Road to the Royal Rumble. But before we get started, a quick shout out to the non-competitors. The glue that holds the building together now... Representing the authority figure, it's Adam Pierce. Next, getting the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, it's Kayla Braxton. And at least we forget the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They're a team of one of my personal favorites. It's Wade Barrett, and backing him up is a longtime veteran of over 25 years, Michael Cole. Now, without any further kadoos, Let's get on with the show. The show is very big, apparently. Uh, they advertised for weeks now. Two people. One, they advertised. It's a do-do-do-do. Do-do-do-do. You can't see me. My time is now. John Cena. That's right. John Cena is going to be at SmackDown. And, oh, this next one is going to be extra, extra important because uh, this is a rarity. Seeing this next person is like seeing a Yeti. It barely happens. Especially in Raw. It's uh, Roman Reigns. He uh, announced last week to show up this week. Now, Roman Reigns, if you don't know, because many people might not know who he is these days because he never shows up to work. He is the current SmackDown and Raw champion. That's right. He is uh, literally the laziest champion ever to walk the WWE hemisphere. Mm-hmm. He fights maybe four times a, a year. He, he's so goddamn lazy. Uh, I call him, he, once upon a time, he was the, the greatest. I call him the greatest champion ever. From greatest to laziest. Wow. Wow. Maybe it's time he gives it up. Anyways, enough criticism. Let's move on to what happened in the show. The show, I'm not sure what happened. There was only three matches on tonight. Maybe because uh, in a couple of hours... From there, it's going to be uh, a tribute to the troops. So they're going to need all hands on deck. 
Anyways, there's three matches, and the first match starts off with a, a banger. A banger. The women's tag team championship title match. It was incredible. Now, here's what I think about the tag team tag teams in WWE in general. It's terrible. They got a terrible tag team division, and the women's is even worse. I personally think the uh, WWE women's division, they got to they gotta unify the regular WWE women's tag team championships with the NXT tag team championship. I think they can, it's about time they uh, unified those ones here. Just make one single tag team belt for the women's division in all of the WWE. Period. Anyways, now it's the, the who's fighting? Why, well, I'll tell you. Why, representing damage control and, um, I guess, uh, defending the tag team championships are Dakota Kai and EO Sky. Now, accompanying them to the ring, it is the very sexy Bailey, baby. She's very beautiful. Sexy. Anyways, they're fighting. Their opponents for tonight are the team of Liv Morgan and the returning Tegan Knox. Now, if you don't know, um, Liv Morgan, this is her officially her fifth tag team partner in her tenure of the WWE. Now, I figured this is going to be Damage Control's match. Um, they're not ready to drop the titles just yet. And to a, a newly formed tag team, never, never. It's true. Now, what happened in this match? Early on in the match, it was some fun stuff. It is uh, Dakota Kai, you know, running out of the ring there, trying to find some, um, some an equalizer underneath the ring. This is where Liv Morgan goes under the ring too and finds the uh, kendo stick before Dakota Kai could. Now this is where uh, Liv Morgan decided to uh, to use uh, I guess Dakota's Kai it's Kai's head as a uh, um, I guess a, a drum and try to beat a tune out on her head. But before she can do any of that, Dakota Kai runs back into the ring. Now this is what it gets me. What uh, Liv Morgan now Dakota Kai using the uh, the kendo stick is one thing. They'll get disqualified, yes. But however, it's a champion's advantage. No belts will be exchanged. But Liv Morgan using the belt, using the uh, kendo stick, it's just ridiculous because there is no advantage there. You get disqualified, you might win, or you might, no, you will lose and you will gain nothing. So anyways, the Kai runs in the ring. You, um, Liv Morgan follows her in, still thinking that she should beat the living hell out of uh, um, Dakota with that uh, stick. But however, it is Tegan Knox coming in there and uh, talking some sense into Liv Morgan. Now, later on, they do have this spot where uh, Liv Morgan goes up with a massive a slide. She's, there's a slide drop kick. Mm -hmm. Wow. I believe to Dakota Kai. And to follow that up, it's uh, Tegan Knox goes to the top rope with a massive high crossbody. I mean, the fearlessness uh, levels are completely uh, opposite to, uh, you know, Tegan Knox is completely fearless in the ring. Let's just leave it at that. So we move on. We move on. It's. Uh, um, Liv Morgan versus, uh, well, she's getting her butt kicked in that ring, you know? And then it's uh, Dakota Kai, US Kai with the combo move, a tangent move. It is the double power bomb onto Liv Morgan. Try and put it away there. But however, it is Tegan Knox coming in and knocks on uh, US Kai's back to stop that count. Stop that count! Now, after that, it's. Uh, Dakota Kai runs in the ring there and with a, uh, I guess, a modified uh, detonation kick. I mean, there's no uh, setup to detonation kick. It's just straight up detonation kick to uh, Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox is knocked down for the time being. T.I.M. being. 
And then it's uh, Dakota Kai. After that massive move, she runs after uh, Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan then uh, avoids the attack and then dumps Tegan, uh, dumps Dakota Kai outside the ring. Now inside the ring, it is Io Sky getting her butt handed to her by uh, Liv Morgan. And then it's a massive, what's called a uh, code breaker, a recoil. The lung blower, it goes with many names. But uh, Liv Morgan with the code breaker on uh, Dakota, on uh, Io Sky, sets her up for another move. Now uh, Liv Morgan tags and Tegan knocks. Tegan uh, goes on all fours for like uh, um, a, a step off point. And then Liv Morgan jumps off her with another massive uh, code breaker. And then it's Tegan Knox with a huge her finishing move. It's the most shiniest of all wizards. The shining wizard on uh, EO Sky looking to finish it, but it is uh, um, Dakota Kai with a massive stoppage that. So he's, she stops that one up there. Now, after that move there, the end sequence is uh, basically this. Well, ending sequence. Well, end of... Uh, Dakota. Dakota is on the outside of the ring. It's uh, Liv Morgan. Uh, I'm going to say outside the ring. I mean, uh, on the apron, outside of the ring, but on the apron still. She's bent over. Liv Morgan charges her on the ropes, and then she gives her a massive. She does she's an attempt. She goes for the power bomb, a sunset flip power bomb for inside the ring, outside of the ring. So they had this position many times. Many times this has happened, where uh, the opponent is standing facing towards the ring, and the uh, the other her opponent. You know, two people is underneath with a power bomb attempt outside. Now this was a successful term. Liv Morgan actually power bombed um, Dakota Kai outside of the ring. Now we all know, we all see it. We all got eyes. The outside ring is so padded. It is some serious high quality padding. Although I would assume taking a bump inside the ring is uh, more forgiving, but I believe it is pretty pretty safe to say that no one got injured in this maneuver. But with that said, it is Tegan, it is uh, Dakota Kai with that power bomb. Got power bomb and is now out of the match for the rest of the match. Liv Morgan, proud of herself, stands up and turns around to be face to face with a running miss with to uh, of course Eo Sky's feet because she was performing the uh, missile drop kick outside the ring. Not she didn't run off the apron or anything. It was a straight up drop kick. I think this move would have hurt uh, Eo Sky more than Dakota more than uh, Liv Morgan. But however, this dropkick knocked the holy hell and Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan is out for the rest of the match. Now inside the match here is uh, Io Sky and Tegan Knox fighting it out. Tegan Knox trying to get the big victory, but uh, Io Sky with the shuriken palm strike. It knocks out, uh, what's that? Uh, Tegan Knox from the ring. Now Io Sky is, try is trying to do some sort of a, uh, a springboard move out there. But Tegan Knox ends up pushing the rope and then makes uh, Io Sky fall. Ooh, this lands in a heap. And she rolls into the ring there and uh, Io Sky does before the ring. And this is where the referee decides to spend most of her time seeing if uh, Io Sky is okay. So inside the ring, Io Sky is like laying there and uh, the referee is like right there, make sure she's okay. While outside the ring, Bailey makes her move. She grabs Tegan Knox's legs and pulls her outside the ring and looking to do some serious damage. But however, they decide to, well, Tegan Knox takes Bailey by the scruff of her neck and throws her viciously into the timekeeper's area. So, uh, yeah, only thing uh, 
Bailey did was some time-wasting technician technique. Did nothing, no harm, no harm, no foul. But however, while Tegan Knox was heading back to the ring, she gets a surprise by a surprise uh, person dressed in black. By the stature of that person, I would assume it would be Nikki Cross, got the same size, got the same stature, you know. I thought, hey, that could be Nikki Cross, but it isn't the person who kicks Tegan Knox in the head before she can get back in the ring. It is Zaya Lee. Now, what's going on with that? I mean, is Zaya Lee looking to change her need a faction like uh, um, damage control? Probably. But who knows? Who is Zaya Lee these days? Is she the protector? Is she the demon queen? Who knows what is going on? All I know is uh, she she's uh, on the same path as uh, Natalia. Lots of talent, but you know what? She doesn't really pay attention to her history of uh, wrestling, what she's done before. Anyways, so Zaya Lee ends up attacking Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox ends up getting back into the ring. But however, no, Zaya Lee was escorted out by uh, security. But inside the ring, um, Tegan Knox gets put out of her misery by flying EO Sky with the um, over the moon salts. And I guess after that match, Tegan Knox was as salty as hell. <laughs> okay, that was stupid. Anyways, we go backstage with the Bloodline, Sami Zayn with Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso only, because uh, the rest of the Bloodline is not there yet. And it's uh, basically last week, it's, uh, I believe it's uh, Jay Uso or Jimmy Uso asking uh, Sami Zayn to clean up for uh, Roman Reigns coming this week. And so what is Sami Zayn's cleaning up? I thought, oh my gosh, is he going to get a haircut, a shave and a haircut? Oh my goodness, Sami Zayn, it's been a long time since he's been clean cut. But no, this is what Sami Zayn did. Even though I love Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn only did this. He put his hair up into a nice man bun, combed his hair, put in a man bun, and then uh, combed his beard and put on a suit shirt. Suit jacket, I should say. That's it. I guess that's all you need. So Sami Zayn ends up leaving the room because he needs to get some liquid refreshments to calm himself down for the appointments of Roman Reigns, who finally decides to show up to work. Now, here's the thing. There was some, uh, I guess, uh, worry between the brothers. Jay's like, we're looking forward to uh, Roman Reigns officially entering um, Sami Zayn as a uh, Uso. But however, Jimmy's got, you know, he's worried that there might be some disappointing, uh, disappointed uh, Sami Zayn's, you know, later on. But we'll find that out later. Will Sami Zayn be part of the Usos? Or will he not? We'll find out. Okay, now we're finding out this, though. L.A. Knight with an in-ring promo. He's uh, talked about Bray Wyatt. And basically, uh, they've got a little a feud going on. You know, uh, he, L.A. Knight's been attacked a lot backstage. leaving uh, He's leaving in a pile, a heap with, uh, in garbage a lot of times. And uh, L.A. Knight believes Bray Wyatt's got everything to do with it. But however, Bray Wyatt feels that, no, it is not me. You've got me mistaken. I am not attacking you. Now, apparently, now with every time Bray Wyatt uh, does promos, he's got this alter ego that shows up on Jumbotron with this uh, pre-recorded uh, uh, message about don't trust Bray Wyatt, whatnot, you know, about masks and whatnot. So that's going on with that. So I just assumed, like everybody assumes, that uh, it, it is one and the same person. So Bray Wyatt comes out there and he's, uh, uh, he's confessing his innocence. And he goes into the ring, and this is where um, L.A. Um, was it L.A. Knight cuts off Bray Wyatt and starts stomping a mud hole into Bray Wyatt, and then 
it falls into the corner and then stomps the mud holes continually. I thought, wow, is Bray Wyatt going to do something? Are we actually going to see Bray Wyatt do some wrestling moves in the ring there? It's been years. It's been years since Bray Wyatt's done anything in the ring. But will he start now? No, he will not. Pop open the Jumbotron and is Bray Wyatt's alter ego talking about stuff. And then, next you know it, live and in person, it's Bray Wyatt's alter ego, Mr. Mask, the maskoid one, Maskio, you know, with the hat. So now this is the thing. It's completely covered. You don't know. Anybody could be underneath there. It's like uh, the wrestler's suicide. You started with uh, one person and many other wrestlers end up becoming that persona. And then it's like Doink the Clown as well. So anybody can really be inside the disguise. You can't not tell because their face isn't showing. Um, like Serpento. Serpento. Whatever. It doesn't matter. He sucks. Anyways. So yeah. Who could be? This has got LA Knights all confused. Oh, if you're there, who's there? Who's that? Suspense carries on. So I'm thinking this. It's been a long time since Bray Wyatt's been wrestling. So what's going to happen with this? Will Bray Wyatt ever wrestle? Or will he be released again before he even gets a chance to wrestle to prove that? Can he wrestle? Who knows? Anyways. Enough with the criticism with Bray Wyatt, because I've never seen wrestling in for ages. We go backstage and it's uh, coming into the show. It is Roman Reigns with the wise man, Paul Heyman, and the uh, um, the enforce, special enforcer, the enforcer, Solo Asakoa, coming to work. That leads us into the uh, next match, match number two, the Intercontinental Championship title match. And uh, uh, what's that? Representing Imperium. And uh, defending the Intercontinental Championship, it is Gunther. And with Gunther, it's uh, Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser versus Ricochet. Now, here's the thing. Um, Ricochet is the uh, former Intercontinental Champion. He fought Gunther two times prior. The first time they fought, Gunther beat Ricochet. They, he beat Ricochet both times. But the first time Gunther beat Ricochet, he became the Intercontinental Champion. So basically, the two times they fought, Ricochet lost pretty handily to Gunther. Now, here we go. Now, with every match, Gunther usually does it by himself. But tonight is, it's, it's, I'm not sure what's going on. But uh, Adam Pierce decides to go to ringside and personally himself kick um, Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser from ringside. Which, you know, they never cheat. They rarely ever cheat for uh, Gunther. But anyways, Adam Pearce didn't want any hint of cheating, so he got rid of Giovanni and Ludwig before the match starts. Mm-hmm, it's true. So now it's a fair fight. This match, two things to be true. One thing, it is the match of the night. Two for true, it is uh, for SmackDown, match of the year. It was that damn good. It was good. Or Booker T, good. Good. Uh, good. I don't know. Anyways, this is about Gunther and Ricochet. Gunther, um, he's got the size. And he's got well, he, he's got the entire package. Gunther, Ricochet, I find now Ricochet is one of the best performers in wrestling. He is uh, one of the top-notch talents in wrestling itself. His skill level is next level skill level. He's uh, one of the best luchadors out there. Period. Like I say, I always say he's a prince of uh, wrestling, and he's got a speed of a puma. But Gunther, 
he's no pushover. He is also a complete wrestler. He is uh, serious in the craft and uh, he is intense in that ring. And I'm sure without any experience in that ring with uh, Gunther, fact that uh, when you go into and uh, when you uh, fight Gunther you walk out a different man a changed person if you will because uh, he is he's uh, he's stiff and he can he can really he can if you're not ready for it I'm pretty sure you you probably quit wrestling okay but it showed one thing Gunther is power his uh is his size and power and it is shows uh ricochet his resolve he can his ability to absorb you know, punishment during a match. Now, in this match was uh, Ricochet being worn down and beaten and thrown around with uh, Gunther on top of him the whole time. His wear down moves look like they're finishers. They're just that intense. Gunther's uh, wear down moves. But here's the thing. Gunther tries to finish it off with a uh, splash, his patented splash off top rope. But Gunther, he's met with two feet to the face, baby. And then uh, this is where Ricochet turned things around. Gets a good offensive flurry. Gunther tries to powerbomb Ricochet, but Ricochet, however, he gets uh, Gunther to the ropes and then with a nice hook around a flip, flows over Gunther out of the ring and then with some crazy, with some beautiful um, Lucha, Lucha Libre moves with a massive uh, missile dropkick just crushing Gunther outside the ring and then with a springboard moonsault just crushing Gunther again. Now they fight inside the ring some more. Gunther does turn it around again because he is just too strong with a big pump kick to the face and then a, just a clothesline, just dropping, um, what's that, uh, Ricochet. Now here's the thing, a little while ago, not too long ago, maybe even last month, Ricochet, his uh, preferred ring um, gear for his feet were uh, uh, basketball sneakers. Now, if Ricochet were to be wearing those basketball sneakers today in this match, that clothesline would surely would surely be flown off his feet just like uh, Matt Riddle's flip-flops and they would have landed in the crowd for sure that's how powerful it was but like I say Ricochet these days he looks like a great is wrestling his gear is next level it looks great it's great his boots like uh, sharp looks great looks like a, a real champ in that ring now now with that Ricochet did turn it around yet again turns things around to its fortune around again and uh, now during this match Ricochet did try to uh, attempt a suplex on Gunther. Now, the two times he did try it earlier, but apparently I guess Gunther was just too strong. He broke out of it, could not do it. But this third attempt on the suplex, Ricochet gets Gunther up and drops him down hard. Gunther is a big guy. He gets dropped down hard. Ricochet then decides, this is it. Time to finish the match. Climbs to the top rope, and then with the massive shooting star press, he is successful. No blockage. He took it 100%. Gunther is ready to lose. But no, Gunther is just too strong. Kicks out of the uh, shooting star. Now, Ricochet decides to take this uh, match to another level. He done the high flying. What's left? Strong style, baby. He starts with the, with the open-handed chops and the chops and the kicks and the chops and the kicks. He's just chopping down a trying tree. And then the kicks turn into hook kicks to the head. And this is where Ricochet thought it's time to uh, finish it off. So he uh, takes a step back and he charges in for a massive, what he thought was a missile dropkick perhaps. Gunther like a, um, you know, matador, like a matador, slips to the side a bit, uh, slips by the, uh, the, the dropkick and then falls through with a massive 
backhanded chop, huge chop. It was devastating. This chop literally took the will out of the took the idea of winning in uh, from the vocabulary of uh, ricochet ricochet. Yeah. So it was uh, it was that bad. So with that, ricochet got into the power bomb, the Gunther power bomb, which is pretty damn devastating. Wham! Ricochet is dropped, but however, Ricochet is showing some more resolve, kicking out of that powerbomb. And then with the last uh, uh, flurry of offense, tries to get, try to punch and kick Gunther down. But however, Gunther gets uh, Ricochet into his brand new finishing move, picks him up, and with a modified powerbomb, power slam, I should, modified power slam, it's like a power slam and a uh, brain buster in one. It was devastating. And in like 24, 25 minutes, this match was insane. Match of the night, match of the year for SmackDown. Yes, this was a great, great match and should have been the uh, main event. Seriously, this was that great. Now, after the match, it is, uh, what's that? Uh, Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci go back to the ring and uh, they try to show uh, Ricochet a lesson or two. So they pick him up and they're going to show him something. They're going to beat him up. But however, Ricochet saved because Braun! That's why Braun Strowman runs in the ring there, saves Ricochet. Imperium, they want nothing to do with it. They're just, well, let's just go. And they leave. And uh, Braun uh, Strowman helps Ricochet onto his feet because they're going to be new tag team partners for later on. But as for this, we go backstage to... Uh, um, we have meet up with uh, the Bloodlines, Roman Reigns, and uh, Paul Heyman, Sol Zakoa. And this is where Jimmy Uso joins them. You know, he's talking, he's very excited. Very excited about uh, Sami Zayn being part of the Bloodline, being part of the Usos, legitimate, legitimate part of the Usos. Very excited. He's talking about how much he likes Sami Zayn. He really does like Sami Zayn. And he's really looking forward to it. But, however, he sees the uh, reserve in uh, Roman's face. Roman, he's like, well, well oh, what if it doesn't go well? Because he was thinking earlier, what if uh, this goes disappointingly? And so he says, listen, I might like Sami Zayn, but you, this is the bloodline. You know, I love you. I love the bloodline. So whatever you decide, good or bad, I'm on your side. So he's, he's laying out loud, laying on the line there. He leaves, but however, Roman Reigns gets uh, the wise man to make a phone call. He needs Adam Pierce, baby. Adam Pierce shows up and he wants uh, what something set up a match is set up um, Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns are going to tag up to fight Kevin Owens and a partner of his choice and you can see Roman Reigns even said Adam Pierce, if you want to be fighting this match you can be his partner if you want but this is the thing Roman Reigns he literally fights once like maybe four times a year he fights so very regularly irregularly the last time he fought was in the uh, you know the what's that? The War Games, the Survivor Series, and he was the fourth per He was the fifth person in the ring. He took less least time in the ring. He was he had his, the bloodline holding, you know, uh, holding the belt, holding the uh, doing the work. So this one here, of course, is next match. If Sami Zayn, if this, the tag team match, Sami Zayn is definitely going to do the work. Roman Reigns, uh, what's going on with Roman, anyways? So um, Adam Pearce, like, well, we can have it today. But no, this match is for two weeks. So two more weeks off for Roman Reigns. And when he actually fights again, it's going to be uh, another one where he's being carried by uh, another wrestler. And I can't believe it that Sami Zayn will be carrying Roman Reigns in two weeks. 
That's right. Sammy will be carrying the world champion next week in his match in their match against Kevin Owens and a partner of his choosing. So now here we go to the main event line match. It is an absolute stunt show. This was ridiculous. This is like eight minutes of uh yep, that happened. This was now there are tag team matches. Now I'm I'm always talk about uh tag team matches. I love a good uh tag team match, two on two. But once over that it just becomes a uh you know a real stunt show. So this one here isn't this is not really even a tag team match. This is a triple threat tag team. So it's like uh, almost practically a tornado tag. Um, three people in the ring at all time, I guess. And they use it to theoretically they tag in and out of their own partner. It's ridiculous, it's, you know. And uh, it is no disqualification because it's uh, a, a, uh, a triple threat. And apparently triple threats, anything goes. You can do anything, which makes no sense at all. Because if you got to forget one rule, you got to forget all the rules. Apparently, so yeah. So the, the team the, the matches this. It's Legado del Fantasma, Cruz del Toro, Joaquin Wilde. Um, alongside them, it's uh, Santos Escobar and Zalina Gomez. Selena Vega, I should say. Not Gomez. Selena Vega. Versus Hit Row, Ashante, The Adonis, and Top Dollar with B-Fab at their side. Versus the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ibar and Valhalla. I call her Valerie Halal, but it's Valhalla and Viking Raiders. Now, this was... A, like I say, I will say this and always say this, this is a stunt show. This is a uh, beginning. We had like a top dollar corner just cleaning house. Oh, just, just destroying everybody. And then they go outside of the ring there. And next note, you got yourself uh, Legado del Fantasmas, uh, Joaquim and Cruz doing the old uh, double spinning um, high crosses off the top rope. It's a big high spot. Very, a lot of fun. This match was a lot of fun. Just like a stunt show was a lot of fun. Now, here's where it gets hilarious. Hilarious. This is top dollar. Now, back in Halloween Havoc, um, it was our truth He attempted a tope suicida on uh, what's that, uh, Grayson Waller. And he did it so badly. So badly. I mean, I'm not sure what happened. He just forgot how to do it. Or it's, I'm not sure. But uh, ended up, our um, truth just barely made it over the top rope. Grayson Waller did his best, his best to catch him. But... Uh, Ever since uh, Halloween Havoc, we haven't seen anything of our truth injured, most likely. Now this is now this is uh, Top Dollar's turn to make himself look like the fool. He runs up. He makes sure he gets a good running start on this uh, Topi Suicida. He runs and he hits the ropes. He hits the ropes with his belly before he really jumps. So his he's leaning against the rope as he's jumping. He's hitting the ropes as he's jumping. So automatically, it's not gonna work. You gotta jump over top of the ropes. You can't be touching the ropes while you're jumping off it, jumping over it, because it will not work. And this one here was a failure before it started. Now you can see four of the competitors out there, both Joaquim and uh, Cruz and uh, Eric and Ibar, trying their best to see. Oh my! They know something bad is gonna happen. Top Dollar is trying to go over the top, and his belly is scraping off that top rope. And then he gets he gets caught, and he does a full flip. Full flip, you know, and he's landing, he's, he's landing on his head. He's landing on his head, but he's doing crazy looking flip. And uh, he's brushes his head off the mat there. And when he lands, he lands very awkwardly on the mat. He almost lands inside the ring again. But he lands sideways. He lands on his, uh, his hip and his leg is dropping, draping off the mat. 
which you know that is hyperextending something, something badly. So right there, Top Dollar is officially injured. How badly is Top Dollar injured? Who knows? But the match continues because it just does. Now, this is where it gets all fun. This is all it gets really. Thank goodness for the uh, no disqualification because the girls get involved inside the match. It is Zelina Vega taking out uh, Cruz Del... Uh, taking out uh, with Ashante Diadonis with the uh, Hurricane. And then comes in uh, B-Fab with a big old floppity pump kick onto uh, Zelina Vega. And then it's... Uh, Valhalla or Valerie Halal I call her because this is hilarious she does she runs in and does something I'm not sure she throws herself at uh, um, BFAB what's going on with uh, um, Sarah Logan my goodness anyways they all go outside the ring and they start uh, um, well it is uh, Valhalla and uh, B-Fab, they fight outside the ring for a little bit, and then it's uh, Zelina Vega does a, a moonsault off the top, and I'm sure this put her out of action too. It looks like pretty hard. She hit the ground pretty hard. She hit her legs off of uh, um, Valerie Halal, her shoulders. I mean, it, it was pretty, pretty crushingly uh, horrible looking. Anyways, we go back in the ring where it's uh, Cruz del Toro and both... Uh, Top Dollar and Shante Diodonis. This is the finishing off the match. This is where it gets really interesting. Ashante, um, or should I say, Cruz del Toro. Um, actually, no, it's actually Joaquin Wild. Um, um, Joaquin Wild and uh, what's that? Top Dollar. Now, Joaquin Wild hits ropes and jumps up, and uh, Top Dollar catches. He's supposed to pick him up for the finishing move with. Uh, um, Top Dollar and uh, Ashante. So Joaquin jumps up and gets supposed to gets caught by Top Dollar. Now Top Dollar's leg is messed up now with that dumb, dumb uh, um, tope suicide hit that failed, absolutely failed just seconds before. So he tries to catch him. His leg buckles. He's about to drop uh, um, Mr. Joaquin. They both drop. Joaquin does his best. He grabs the hop ropes, makes sure they don't really quite fall. It was embarrassing. He ends up standing up barely standing up um with uh, Shante's like oh, what's going on come on come on you dummy come on you big big dummy stand up so that's literally that's what the Shante was saying to his own tag team partner can you believe it so end up the finishing move drop kicks Del Toro's head or drop kicks uh, Joaquim's head and then one two three it is uh the Shante the Adonis gets pinned on uh what's that uh Joaquin and you can totally see the pain in, uh, what's that, Top Dollar's face with his knee all bashed up like that. Can he make it to next week? I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, we go backstage with Kayla Braxton and Raquel Rodriguez. Backstage, maybe uh, her, I don't know what's going on with her arm. Not broken. Sprained. Who knows what's going on. So it's basically about next week. There's a gauntlet match for the number one contenders for Ronda Rousey title. And it's like, will Raquel Rodriguez be a part of it? But here's the answer. It's uh, Raquel being attacked by Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. And uh, basically Ronda grabs her arm and Shayna kicks her arm into, into, uh, into a bloody pulp and just kicks her arm to pieces. So yeah, so that basically puts uh, Raquel Rodriguez on the uh, injury on the shelf again. What's going on with Raquel? I'm not sure. Um, 
Yeah, there was, I think Raquel was uh, another person who had great potential. And really, this is what wasted potential looks like. It's Raquel uh, on the way down. Anyways. After that, we go to our main attraction. The Bloodline. Into ring. Roman Reigns talks about, yeah, he hasn't seen his brothers, the Bloodline, since War Games, uh, listener. He, bar- he barely shows up to work. He's barely around. He is the most laziest champion of the WWE history. Period. So now he's talking about uh, he wants to have a tag team match with. Uh, uh, um, well, he says he doesn't have good news for it. He doesn't. He doesn't indoctrinate uh, Sami Zayn into the bloodline. He just wants to have a. He just wants Kevin Owens out of the thing. No, Sami Zayn does talk. He says uh, about it was great. The speech was great. Sami Zayn was talking about uh, Kevin Owens and uh, how he backstabs everybody. Any everybody, and Kevin Owens' only friend is Sami Zayn. It's like, oops. I mean, not like that. I didn't mean that. I'm his friend. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was it was great. Talk about putting your foot in your mouth. It was really good fun. Anyways, it ends up like this. Uh, obviously, Roman Reigns wants to tag team with Sami Zayn. To fight Kevin Owens and somebody else. Who will it be? Who will it be? Why, popping up on a Jumbotron is... Can't be bothered to be there in person. Can't be bothered to be there in person. You know. It is John Cena. And basically, you got a text and he's just mumble jumble. Hi, I'm John Cena. This is my voice. Hi. And at... A Royal Rumble. We're going to kick some pooty patootie. My God, um, John Cena and uh, Cody Rhodes—they're like the same person. I think Cody Rhodes just wants to be on John Cena, and John Cena is as fake as ever. Hi, I'm John Cena. I I I get I take speech lessons from Mike Rowe. Welcome to Dirty Jobs. Oh, so ridiculous. Anyways, yeah. So in two weeks' time—not I mean not two of them—in two weeks' time. It's going to be a tag team match. Kevin Owens and John Cena versus Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. In two weeks, not next week. Two weeks. So, yeah, next week, I don't think we'll see uh, Roman Reigns in SmackDown or Raw. So, next week, however, the notable matches are going to be uh, the Undisputed Tag Team Championship match. It's going to be Usos versus Hit Row. That's right. Jimmy and Jey Uso versus uh, Shante the Adonis and Top Dollar. Will Top Dollar be in shape for the match next week? I doubt it. Okay, and then we got ourselves a gauntlet match. A six-woman gauntlet match for the winner will be the number one contender for the women's ta- women's uh, chat, Ronda Rousey title. And there's going to be between Emma... Tegan Knox, Liv Morgan, Sonia Deville, Zaylee, and maybe, maybe if uh, Raquel Rodriguez is able to show up, she would be the last person. If not, who knows who will be? Perhaps uh, um, Shayna Baszler would be, enter it and be the X factor in this match. That's right, be the Zion Queen in the match. And of course, the miracle on 34th Street. Ho ho ho! Street fight. Between uh, Braun Strowman and Wait for the Ricochet versus the Imperiums, Ludwig Kaiser. 
in Giovanni Vinci. Now, that wraps it up for another week of SmackDown and also concludes this entire episode of the podcast. For for now, for everybody who's stuck around, thank you, listener, for stuck around. If uh, uh, For the very end, know that I hold a very special place in my heart just for you. So join us next week for an all-new episode of The Wrestling Show. And always remember, you matter. The Wrestling Show, oh, 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 baby.